In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to thee, O God. Glory to thee, Heavenly King, O Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who art everywhere present and fillest all things, O treasure of every good and bestower of life. Come and dwell us and cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O good one. Sit down. Do not practice divination or tell fortunes. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritualists, for you will be defiled by them, and I am the Lord your God. Now that quote sounds like it's been written for today, but yet that quote comes from the Old Testament, from the book Leviticus, and even though that was written, who knows how many, 3,000 years or more ago, it sounds like the prophet Moses was speaking to the people of today. So let's see what he says. He says, do not practice divination. Now, we're going to hear that word a lot during this talk, so we have to know what it means. Now, the Oxford definition says, the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural powers. That's how they look at it, because the world don't consider that as being bad. However, I've added a little, not that I'm going to change the Oxford Dictionary um, uh, definition, but I want to make it somewhat orthodox. So let's, let's read it again. The practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by, delete supernatural means, with the help of the demons. That's the orthodox definition of divination. Now, another book of the Old Testament says, let in more detail, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or tells fortunes, interprets omens, who practices witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. So there's some words there that we need to know. Firstly, this sacrifices their son and daughters in the fire. I don't know what that means. So let no one among you, this is from Deuteronomy chapter 18, lines 10 to 12. Again, even though it was written many, many thousands of years ago, the problems of then are the problems of now. We hear that in the Bible it says that Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And the demons are the same yesterday, today and forever. So there's no difference. The way he used to trick people then is the way he tricks people now. So let's go through it. So let no one practice divination, which we already said what it is before, trying to find out the future or something unknown. Or tell fortunes. Interpret omens. Omen is, again, something that is believed to be a sign or a warning of something that will happen in the future. This can be good or evil. 
Now, for people, an omen could be a bird coming close to the house and squealing there or whatever they do there, uh, making noise, and people say they, then they interpret that. Or the way clouds formed, they would interpret that to say we're going to have a good year, a bad year, a bad week, etc. Now, also an omen could be they used to do things like sacrifice animals and then examine their entrails, in particular in the liver, and they look at that and then from that they interpret their stupidities, whatever they did. So that's what an omen is. So it says here, do not practice divination, don't tell fortunes, don't interpret omens, um, practice witchcraft or cast spells, or who is a medium, or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. Now the word medium is used today because on the television they've got many programs about mediums. Now some of you who are young and watch TV would remember the sh like the program Bewitched and things like that. Some of you from the Soviet, um, the old Soviet Union might not know. Anyway, for those that are born here in America, they know Bewitched was a woman who was a witch and she married someone who wasn't a witch, who was a, wasn't a warlock, he was just an ordinary person. She was a very nice person, homely, blonde, nice, smiley, really great person. So that's how the people of the 60s were brought up to believe, to believe that um, witches are good. Harry Potter is another example where the children believe that you can be someone who does supernatural things and be good. So he was a good boy. And it says here, um, um, consults the dead. There are many programs now on television, cable television, on the internet, things like that, of people who supposedly communicate with the dead. So you can see that this part in Deuteronomy, chapter 18, lines 10 to 12, it's like it was written for today. Now, this was written for the Jews who were the true worshippers of God. And God commanded them to keep away from those things. You can't worship God and do those things. Today, Orthodox Christians are doing the same thing. They are churchgoers, supposedly. They say that they believe in what the Orthodox Church teaches, and yet people believe in these things. Now, some of you might say, I don't believe in them. But when we watch these things and then we start getting doubt, how did he know that? How did that medium know that that person's grandmother that died 50 years ago had this type of secret or whatever? And when you start having doubts, then you begin to fall into a very serious sin because Orthodox Christians reject all those things. There is no truth to it. Number three, now some of you might say that, well, that's from the Acts, that's from the Old Testament, and many today use that as a way of arguing that what's in the Old Testament we reject because there's also in the, in the Old Testament if someone does such and such, they get stoned. So people say, but we don't do that. So therefore, we reject all the Old Testament. So references, for example, to homosexuality in the Old Testament, 
We don't take any notice of that because there's bad things written in the Old Testament. So anyway, just in case um, people have that view, which they shouldn't, let's look at what the New Testament says about uh, this topic. From Galatians, it says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, adultery, fornication, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, I warn you, and so on, I warn you as I warned you before, that people who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. No, it doesn't say that people who practice witchcraft get burnt at the stake. It doesn't say that people who do these things will have their hands cut off or whatever. No, it just says that the, the New Testament says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot do those things and at the same time believe you're going to be saved. Number four, in the book of Revelations, chapter 21, line 8, it says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be sent to the fiery lake of burning sulfur, which is the second death. Again, we see with what strictness the Old Testament and the New Testament speak against a lot of sins, but we can see that there is a thing there about those who practice magic arts, which today has become like a joke. People read star signs, people watch, as I said, there's all these different programs now, mediums, haunted houses, and I just read the other day that the Liverpool College there, the TAFE College up there, that that's supposedly haunted, and they have excursions. So you can go there, and some people even stay over, so they can have communication with the ghost that lives there. And people don't think that's bad. And 1 John, chapter 3, line 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Before Christ came, the world was in the hands of the devil. When Christ came, he destroyed the works of the devil for those who accepted him. Now, apart from what's written in the Bible, let's see what the Holy Fathers also teach about this topic. For example, the Holy Baptism Service, which has been put together by the Fathers, say, do you renounce Satan and all his angels and all his works and all his worship and all his pomp or pride or glory? So it says, do you renounce Satan and all his angels, the demons, and all his works, and all his worship. What does this mean, on all his worship? How do we worship God? We worship God when we come to church and we, do, and, his, and we do his commandments and partake in the mysteries. That's how we worship God. How do we worship the devil? When we do his works. And what are his works? These things, the magic, of course, all sins, but the magic arts is in particular like... Orthodox Christians come to church and participate in the divine liturgy, which is especially where Orthodox Christians receive the grace of God. And when they partake of the body and blood, obviously. That's where we receive the fullness of God. Those who believe that they can 
receive God outside of the services of the Orthodox Church is deceived. You cannot receive the grace of God without the services of the Church, in particular the Holy Liturgy and to partake of the body and blood. If you do not partake of my body and my blood, you have no life. If you have no life, that means you're dead. Dead means spiritually dead. So, just like we come to church and we receive the fullness of God within the liturgy and the body and blood, when someone participates in these demonic things, these magical art, magic arts, then they are participating to the fullest with the demons. When someone goes to a medium or when someone has their palm read or when someone goes to have their coffee read or when someone goes somewhere so that their dream can be interpreted, etc., to find out the future, whatever other things, then they are participating in the worship of the devil to the fullest. And that's why the church condemns it so severely. Let's see what St. Nicodemus the Hagarite says the, from Manathos. Without any exception, both those who perform magic and those who submit to it, both those who provide magical items and amulets, and those who receive them, all of them become the dwellings of unclean spirits. All of them renounce Christ and the faith of Christ and join Satan and devote themselves to the worship and pomp of Satan. Hence, they are all deniers of the promises they made at Holy Baptism to renounce Satan and all his worship and to join Christ and to observe his faith and his words. And then St. Nicodemus ends with, Oh, the pitiful calamity. Oh, the great loss of souls of Orthodox Christians. So, he doesn't say just those who do the magic, but even those who go to them are guilty. He says, doesn't matter. He says, without exception, both those who perform the magic, whether you're going to a medium, or those who submit to them, those who are going to inquire, both those, he said, um, are condemned. Those who provide magical items, as we heard in talk 58, I went through a lot of the things that they use and the revolting things that they use, bat wings and skins of dog and blood and, bat and all these things and other things which I won't mention, and amulets, amulets in Greek philakta, which are the little objects that they give you, something that they say, you put that on you or on the person who's got problems and you, they will get better. Someone's done something evil, someone's done magic and you, if you buy this from me for five, ten thousand or whatever they're going to charge, uh, then you, the person will get better. That's what's called amulets. And those who receive them, not just those who make them, but those who receive them, all of them become the dwellings of unclean spirits. All of them renounce Christ and the faith of Christ and join Satan and devote themselves to the worship and glory of Satan. And then he goes on to say that by doing that, you renounce the baptismal vows, even if you never made them yourself because your godfather or mother did it on your behalf. Still, they, you are renouncing your vows your, what other vows? Do you renounce Satan? Yes, I do. Three times. Then spit on him. Like you blow three times and spit on him. 
to the west, and then you join to, turn to, to the east. Do you join with Christ? I do. Do you join with Christ three times? Do we hear these things? Not really. Why? I'll let you think about that. Why aren't these things heard? Now, some might say not many go to them. Orthodox Christians don't go to those places. 90% or more go to those places. Not 9%, not 19%, 90 or more. And I think I'm being kind. Even if you watch it on television and you start having, oh, how did they know that? As I said before, then we are joining in. We have a doubt. How did that person know that what was hidden, what they hid, was in the boot of that car? There must be some truth to it. At that moment, we deny Christ. That's why people who have to, we have to confess these sins. Now, what does the first commandment say? It says, you shall have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. It, says, it goes on at the end. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, when we don't study the word of God, when we don't study the law of God, then we don't know. We say, you shall have no God. I believe in God. So that's enough. But we need to study. We need to make an effort. Blessed art thou, Lord, teach me thy statutes. We ask God to help us understand his law, not just to read it and not just to show off and say, I know the Ten Commandments off by heart. Let's see what St. Nicodemus says about this particular commandment. He says, the atheists, the, polyth the polytheists, those who believe in many gods, deniers of the providence of God, and believers in automation and fate break this commandment as do all magicians, fortune tellers and superstitious people and as many as go to them. Now, obviously we know that an atheist would break the command. That's obvious. A, poly a, a, a polytheist person is a person, as I said, who believes in many gods. Well, they don't believe in one god, so we understand that. Deniers of the providence of God, what does that mean? The deniers of the providence of God, that God is leading us in our life. Now, there are orthodox Christians who, when you say to them, well, maybe that was God's will, you know, we have to look what God... And they, they, it's like you're speaking to them in another language. They don't understand that. They don't understand. They can't, um, in, they can't absorb within themselves the fact that God is part of our life. And if you don't have that then you are breaking the first commandment. It's like you're denying God. And then he obviously condemns magicians, fortune tellers, superstitious people, and as many as go to them. So it's not just those deniers of God, but anyone who, who's involved in magic or go to them, they are also breaking that commandment. Now there's a footnote in the book that I got this from, which is, from the ex a manual of confession by a righteous God-bearing father, Nicodemus the Hagarite, which has got all the, a lot of things in there which are good. It's meant to be for priests, but 
Humble people can read them. Proud people don't, don't read them. So just like proud people shouldn't read the rudder because they read things that go, oh, look what, the, look what it says in the rudder. Look what it says here. This canon says this. And without understanding the historical thing, they, don't, they just start to interpret it themselves and they lose their souls. So let's see what the footnote says in the book. Also, those who tempt God by seeking from him miracles without there being any need are guilty of breaking this commandment. At this, when I read it, I was quite surprised. So people who seek from God a miracle without there being a need for it are breaking the first commandment according to the Holy Fathers. Now, what does that mean, seeking miracles without that? Okay. We, um, we live in a dangerous area. And there are a lot of break-ins. And some silly person comes along and says, why should I close my windows and doors for? God will protect us. Let's leave them wide open all night. God will protect us. All I have to do is do my cross and God will protect us. That's, that is blasphemy. That's like we're treating God as an errand boy. Click your fingers. That's, this, that's, that's, that's very bad. Someone who's a bludgeon, doesn't like to work, and prays and says, oh, God will send me money when all they've got to do is go and work. That's also blasphemy. I remember a woman said to me once, I went, into, I went down to um, the city and it was three o'clock in the morning and I was walking along, uh, whatever, and she said, um, I did my cross and God will protect me. My, my answer to that is, we have monasteries, ancient monasteries, Manathos, Palestine, Egypt, that were, writ that were built like forts with these high walls with doors about this thick. And, there, and these, are, these are monasteries full of holy monks and nuns. Why didn't they say we just do our cross and we don't worry if the pirates come or the Turks come or the Arabs come or the Muslims come? It doesn't matter. But we don't have that. And not only that, some of them have still got the holes up the top where you've got the door and you've got like some part of it sticking up from the top of the hole. Do you know what the hole was for? Does anyone know? Pour out molten um, bitumen. Pour out hot oil or tar so that when they come to try and knock down the door, the monks who didn't do their cross and say, it's all going to be, we're going to be protected, but made an effort to protect their monastery, not wanting the unbelievers to come in and desecrate everything and defile everything and steal everything and smash chalices and, and, and do other sacrilegious things. No, they made an effort. If, however, they lived in a, a skeet, where there was, no protect, there was no protection and they were even old and they couldn't even escape. Then they can do their cross. 
and say, God, protect me, I can't do anything. So, let's see the type of questions that a priest should ask in confession when someone comes for confession, especially for the first time. St. Nicodemus says, these are some of the questions. Perhaps, my child, you have denied God or your faith or have said that you would deny them. Perhaps you have practiced magic or cast a spell on a couple or cast a spell on animals so that a wolf does not eat them. Or perhaps you made amulets or charms or wore them or have practiced some other sort of magic. So the priest is asking this because people are ignorant and therefore they ask. And one more. Perhaps you have sought magicians or fortune tellers to help you when you were ill or to find something for you which you had lost or to reveal riches to you or to perform other like things. So these are the questions that are asked to do with the first commandment. You've got another list of questions for commandment two, for three, for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's why I'm not very favourable towards confession that, are, that is done in a service where there's a line of 50 people and you know, you've got people, or people that go often, that's okay. But people that are coming for the first time to have a one or two minute confession, to it, where, how, do you, how do you ask questions? And Canon 32 of St. John the Faster, the, St. Nicodemus interprets this and says, sorcerers and magicians and also women who make amulets or charms and tell fortunes, are penance for three years not to receive Holy Communion and to eat dry foods after the ninth hour, eaten only as much as is necessary to live and to do 250 prostrations every day. Now, St. John the Faster, he saw that a lot of the ancient canons were very difficult for people to follow. In other, why? Because, as we're going to hear now, I'll, let, I'll read it first and then I'll... I'll tell you why he says this. This is how it used to be. Canon 65 of St. Basil penances those who have confessed their sorcery or magic with the penance given to them, a voluntary murderer, 20 years no Holy Communion. His, sec 20, his 72nd canon likewise sentences those who deliver themselves over to fortune tellers with the same penance. Canon 61 of the Sixth Ecumenical Council penances such people for six years, Different areas had different rules, different penances. And Canon 24 of Ancura for five years. Canon 3 of St. Gregory of Nyssa penances those who go to fortune tellers out of disregard and disdain for the faith of Christ as those who have voluntarily denied Christ. That, that is, not to receive communion for the rest of their lives. That's what one Holy Father penance. As I said, they're all different ones. Depending on the time, depending on the, the, the place, it's got different penances. And then it says, but those who went to magicians because they became faint-hearted out of some necessity or pressure, like they went because their child was dying or something like that and they lost themselves, they are to be penanced as those who denied Christ uh, on account of tortures and suffering, sufferings, that is, for 11 years. 11 years. So in other words, there were people who denied Christ during the persecutions when they weren't even pressured, like many who became Muslim during the Turkish times. A lot of Orthodox became Muslim, not because they were pressured, they just knew that they have a bit of a better life. So those people are 
looked at as being deniers of Christ to the highest level. Then there were those who denied Christ because, their orthodox faith, because they were scared of tortures or while they were being tortured they denied. They were still called deniers of Christ, however they were penanced less. So that's why he's saying those who went to fortune tellers just for out of interest, willy-nilly, as we say, disdain for Christ, disdain for his faith, they just went. They will be penanced as ones who denied Christ on purpose. And, and, and that's, um, as he said, he depends on which saint, 20 years or, or for 10 years, etc. But those who went to magicians because they became faint-hearted out of necessity or pressure, he penances like those who denied Christ on account of the fear of tortures and sufferings, that is, for 11 years. Now... Saint John the Faster comes along and says these are very long penances. Like for people not to commune for the rest of their life or for 20 years or for 15 years or for 10 years. It's a long time. So Saint John the Faster says what we'll do is... Because that's all they had. When they went to a priest back in those days, they confessed the, the epithemia, as we say, the penance was you will not commune for that many years. Saint John the Faster comes along and says it's a bit, it's long. What we'll do is we can reduce it to three years. As long as the person, during those three years, does 250 prostrations a day and fasts by eating after three o'clock in the afternoon and only eat dry food, just enough to keep the person alive. And then they will be able to commune after three years. What do we say today? Today we say, not the first way, not even the second way people can do. I find it even hard to sell, to sell someone to do three prostrations. All you have to do is three prostrations. Did you do it? No, I can't do it. Do you have a back problem? No. And what's the problem? Um, just can't do it. Because they don't want to do it. So imagine if they were told to do 2.50 and to eat after nine, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. However, the good, holy, the, the good spiritual fathers of today give something to help people understand that what they're doing is wrong. Like a child, when, penance, when, you, when, you, when a child does something wrong, after a while the child works out that if he says sorry, then the parent will leave it alone. So you give the child some type of penance, say, okay, well, you stay in your room for such and such, or... We're not going to go out that place, or you can't, whatever. Something that the person, the child can understand that what he or she did is wrong. Today it's become a bit of a joke where people go to confession and say, I did this, 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 the priest reads the prayer, and that's it. But good spiritual fathers don't do that. They actually give a penance. Some, for some people, it depends. They might say, okay, you can, uh, when was the last time you did it? Why'd you do it for? Do you know it's wrong? Then they check how repentant the person is. They might say, okay, one year. Some might say six months. Some might say three months. It depends on how the spiritual father feels. But something that helps the person know that what they did was wrong. Today, one of the biggest disasters in the um, Orthodox Church is that pretty much a lot of churches have, have, have um, removed penances. So it's become like the Catholics where you go to the Catholics and they say, I've murdered, I've done this, okay, three Hail Marys and two Our Fathers. 
that's the penance. I, but I should, no, 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 that's wrong. I shouldn't put the Catholics down. At least they give that. Some people object to the reading of the canons of the ancient church and say, oh, it scares people there. No one says that people should give those penances. But they don't want no one to know what the old canons were. Let me give an example. A woman who was, who was orthodox, but she wasn't really that active, but her husband was. So she comes into the car into the, in, with, with the husband, and the husband at that time was listening to one of my talks, talk 43, where I was talking about these canons in a lot of detail. When she heard the canon, when she heard all those canons of 20 years and 30 years and this and that, she became hopeless and she got very upset. Now, some of you might say, there, doesn't that prove it? See, she became hopeless. And what was the result of her shock of listening to all these canons, which I spoke about for about uh, maybe even a couple of hours? Yeah, the result was that she got very upset and she changed her life. She actually saw, yes, the canons are not... In, they, they're not, they're not um, followed to that strict rule, but she saw how serious the sins were that in the ancient church for them to do those type of um, penances. And then from then on, she changed her life. When I first came to the church at around the age of 25, I wasn't in the church before, and I read these things, yes, I was shocked, and yet it gave me fear, and I thought to myself, this is... Uh, these sins are serious. Those priests who say, oh, you don't mention these things, just read absolution, let them go, these priests are doing an injustice. Why? Because a lot of the good spiritual fathers, as I said, in Greece, where they still apply these, like they still use penances, things like that, they say to the person that comes, my child, listen, the sin that you've said, the church penances with 20 years no communion. But if I give you that penance, you're not going to be able to take it. So uh, if you promise that you're going to not do it again, that you're going to do the commandments and you understand the seriousness of what you've done, well, who is the person he's 20 years, of course they're going to get shocked, because I will give you one year or six months or three months or whatever and you must do this, this and this. I want you to fast, I want you to read the Gospels, I want you to do some, a few prostrations, 10 a day, 15, whatever. Do that and come back to me after three months or whatever and let's uh, see how we can get you to go to communion uh, fast. It's not a, that's not a bad thing. When someone has committed adultery and goes to a priest and the priest just reads the absolution prayer and says you can commune tomorrow even if they've stopped most of the time they haven't even stopped they're still seeing the person but there are priests who say no until you stop with that person you can't commune but when the person's told depend on their repentance with a little bit, little bit some strictness and say look you know that 
the ancient church used to penance people like you for five years, ten years, whatever. It's a very bad, it's, it's a very bad sin. But if you stop for six months or whatever, then you go. That helps the person. It helps to correct the person. That's what penances are used for. So, this young woman changed her life to the to the happiness of her husband, and uh, and even though she was shocked. We go to the next part. I had some thoughts of uh, this topic. I already did two, two, top, two talks on this topic and I had some thoughts. Should I do another talk or not? Maybe I'm doing too much. Is it that necessary? And then what happened was, some people heard the, the last talks and I got an email from overseas, from the US, and one, one uh, couple wrote to me and said that um, they're Orthodox Christians and they had some neighbours who would, I got permission by them, I actually wrote to them and said, can you let me use your example because it's such a, it's a very good example. So they heard the talk and then they all of a sudden helped them to understand. They said their neighbours used to bring, they used to go fishing and they used to bring them from fish and wine and things like that. And the husband would often talk about the fact that he was Catholic, that he was a devout Catholic and the wife, I think she was religious, but she was Protestant. So talk about God and they were religious. However, she did mention, along as she was saying that they go to church and they believe and they believe in Christ, then she said that she talks to the dead, that she's receptive to the um, spirits. Now, of course, the couple should have cut off then and there. But what happened was, as they mentioned to me, they were a bit reluctant because they didn't want to offend them. See, this is what the devil uses. He uses this, this thing of don't offend someone. So if a child molester comes close to your family and wants to befriend and come close to your children, do we do that as well? Do we say, um, oh, I don't want to offend him? Or, so let him still come? No. What do we do? We cut them off. But that's not the only bad sin. There are other sins as well. And this is also very, very serious when you're letting people into your house who are dealing with the occult. The Jehovah Witnesses, as you know, they go around with their magazines. And we have a book about them. And there is, it says there that they don't get converts to their religion from the door to door. But they're, supposed, but they're still supposed to do it. I don't know why. But anyway, where they get their converts are through work, and family and friends by mixing with relatives, the family, at work. They begin to talk to people and slowly, slowly, that's how they get their converts. So the same thing with this, that when people, when we have contact with people who are involved in the occult and we're friends with them and we find it hard to break away from them, that's the biggest trick. And that's where a person can fall. She also said, the woman, said that she had a gift of automatic writing, that she would go into a trance and she would start writing automatically, and that she wrote down messages that she believed was in Aramaic, an ancient language there. And then she said to the woman, to the Orthodox woman, um, I will now interpret what I've written. And what, I've re what, what, what the spirit 
who took control of me and helped me to write this message said, keep doing what you're doing, you're doing good. Sorry, but those type of things really make me sick. I was, when, I, when, I, when I heard it, I just actually felt I was going to vomit. But it's keep the, all these messages, you know, you're doing good, you do it, like I said about the exercise bike. Um, doctor says I've got to do a bit of... Anyway, so I get on there, do a little bit. Sometimes I'm very sick, I can't do it. So after one minute, I've got to turn it off. And just as I'm about to turn it off, great workout. Right? I had a great workout when I didn't even, I couldn't even turn the pedals. So this is the same as these idiots. They just praise, always praise, 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 praise. You're doing good, keep it up. Then all of a sudden the Orthodox woman's father died. And the neighbour gave the uh, wife a business card and said that she, can, that she had done a reading and communicated with the Orthodox woman's father and that she could purchase the information from her, which is interesting. So the fish, first came the fish and the wine, maybe to make them tipsy and stupid a bit, and then after that comes in the, um, you can purchase it, and after the purchasing comes the big money. They never purchased, which is good, the information from this woman, and they burned the card, and then I said to them, look, you've got to cut off, You've got to um, pray, you've got to increase prayer, get a priest to do holy water, etc., etc., etc. And then they did all that and then I asked them what happened and they said, well, the woman got sick. I'm not saying that, uh, that they wish the woman, well, that the services made her sick. Just it turned out that she got sick, then something happened to the husband and because of all these troubles within their life, turmoils, they didn't have any more communication so that solved the problem. Now, another woman... That's one example which came after I did the other talks. I go, see how much people are ignorant on these matters? Then the next one was a woman who told me that she um, met a, a woman at church. She met a woman at church and the woman said to her, the woman noticed that this woman had a few children but she had a daughter who she was having a lot of trouble with and that the daughter was um, you know, 15, 16, adolescent, very tense, very rebellious, the mother was having a lot of trouble with her. And this woman from the church said, oh, you know, your daughter has a lot of stress and she's very tense. And, and she said, I can teach her to pray and, um, and, and that she will personally heal her for free. For free. And that she says she has powers from God to heal people and that she has been blessed by a priest to do this. She studied hypnosis and uses this to help God, people get rid of their worries and to open up their hearts to God, and that she can do the same for the person's daughter. The mother said to the woman, it's not necessary because we have a priest that helps us, and the woman said, you can go to church and talk to priests, but it won't help because if a person is closed, they need a special person who they can trust and help them open up. So even though this mother... I got permission by her, by the way, to, um, to do this as well. Even though this mother heard the, heard the talks, both the last talks, 58 and 59, she rang me up to say that she's got some mm, hesitation about this woman. And I said to her, well, um, and, but she was saying to me, she kept on saying, but she's religious, she's religious. I said, I don't care if she's religious. Didn't you hear in the talks what St John Chrysostom says? Those who use the word of God 
those who speak about God, about the saints, about the mother of God within their magic stuff, that you are to hate them, St. John Chrysostom says. We heard that in the last talk and the talk before. Because they are the worst. Because they're mixing religion, or for the, 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 the Christian religion, with their magic to trick people. And then this woman said to me, no, 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 but she, she teaches prayer, she talks about God, she does this, she does that. So I kept on saying to her, it doesn't matter if there are a lot of these magicians and other people. This woman is a medium. But she goes to church. This woman is a medium. But she talks about prayer. And then I had to say to her, this is a recording, this woman is a medium. <laughs> and she goes, bup, 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 and she was going on. I said to her, I'm not going to argue with you. Cluck. See the bad priest, how he's very bad? So, see, a good priest wouldn't hang up. A good priest would sit there for 15 hours and try and convince a person that, that, that this person is like. So it's like two tape recorders talking to each other that were on a con continuous. I was, saying, I was saying on my tape recorder it was going like this. But she's a medium. And then she was going, but she prays. So the two tape recorders would go on. There I would leave the phone open. So I'll put the phone in the tape recorder for her. She can put her tape recorder on and they can talk all night. That's okay. But I'm not going to sit down and talk to her. And later on, I got an email where she repented and she got rid of the woman out of her life. But we judge, don't we? We like to judge and say, oh, see, he did this or did that. People judge, 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 but they don't know. Why did I hang up? Why did I hang up? Because for her soul, she's arguing, firstly, with the priest. Secondly, she's arguing about a topic which I just did eight hours of talks about. But she knows more than me. She knows more than the church. She knows more than St. John Chrysostom. But anyway, the main thing is that she repented and that she got rid of the woman. But later on, after I was subjected to all these things, I found something in, the, in, the, um, in my letterbox. It was a business card. It was a business card of Mr. Sisei. Now let's see what he has to say. He says, International Clairvoyant and Spiritual Healer Astrology. I thought to myself, the audacity to put in my letterbox as well, <laughs> after I just did eight hours of talks against people like that. And he writes, the man with his natural God-gifted power of second sight successfully helping desperate people for the past 27 years. Problems with love life, marriage, family, relationships, health, business, black magic, bad luck, career, court cases, lucky numbers, stress and depressions, etc. Private and confidential, 100% guaranteed. Don't suffer in silence. Just one phone call can give you all the happiness you deserve for lifetime. Call on the number and even had a website. So I went on the website and that was, of course, that wasn't enough just to make us sick. We actually found more there. Now, if you are seeking answers and clarity in your life, let's have a look, in your love life, 
Now, today, the majority of people have problems with their love life. That's why all those internet dating and all that type of thing, it's, they make a lot of money because people have, uh, cannot actually form relationships anymore. They can't even go somewhere to meet. They've got to meet someone online. Career. Many people have problems with career because they can't be told what to do. So they just go from job to job. Relationship, we already said that. Money. Well, when you max out your credit card to 20000 I'm sure you're going to have problems with the money. Health. Well, most people are unhealthy because of junk food, etc. Family. Family's been torn apart. Marriage. 50% or more of, of those who are married, about the ones that aren't married but live together for years, so if we really looked at it strictly speaking, that uh, marriages are more than 50% with divorces. And those who stay in are staying are, are leading lives where they're actually seeing other people in business. As soon as the business goes bad, straight away they think something's wrong. Not the fact that there's an economic crisis in the whole world, but it's just something's wrong, someone's done something or whatever. Black magic. A lot of people believe that they've had magic done on them. Bad luck. Court cases. Children. Everyone has problems with children. So this person is he's, he's pressing the right buttons. Are any of the serious problems listed below or similar adversely affecting you or your loved ones, etc.? And are you feeling powerless to find a solution? Now let's go through another list that I found, which is very interesting because people even in the Orthodox Church are having these problems. They don't know how to use the Orthodox Church to help with their problems, like the paraclesis we just did today, the Maleban, to the Mother of God, quick to hear. There's all these references in there, help us who are perishing, help us that we are in need of help, um, save us, protect us from the demons and all these type of things. Those services are written for Orthodox Christians who are struggling. The church has services and help for all problems. But people don't understand that a lot of times and they run to these places. Let's see his stupid list. Unexplainable sensations of being touched, held down or even strangled. People do experience those things. A lot of times it could, it's um, when people have involved themselves in demonic things, uh, they can get knocked down in the night time, they, can, they can't move, they're half asleep, all those type of things. Just go to a priest, confess your sins, read, get a couple of prayers read, and usually that solves that problem. Extreme bad luck. Bad luck comes from sins a lot of times. Or God allows afflictions to make us better. Not everything bad that happens to us is necessarily bad luck and bad or things like that. Now he goes on to the next one. See dark flashes or lights out of the corner of your eye. The other day I saw that, but it was lightning. <laughs> but some people do see things. Suffer from multiple personalities or bipolar. See, bipolar is a magical word today. The, the, the drug companies, you know, they, they like to have these diseases. They can sell their pills. Multiple personalities. I'm not saying that there are people who don't have a bipolar type of nature, but... 
in general, I'm not saying for people not to get help, psychiatric help, but when people just go to psychiatrists but they don't go to the church, that's wrong. The church does not, is not against medical help. But the church says do both. A lot of mental illnesses could be cured in the church. Doesn't mean now, people that listen to this, that you stop medications immediately, which is dangerous. It doesn't mean you stop going to doctors. It means do what you're doing, but go to the church, and after a while, you'll probably find that you can let go a bit of those th those um, pills and things. Hearing negative voices and or experiencing constant negative images in your mind. Seeing spirits or entities, that's other beings or other things. In the last couple of talks I spoke about a young girl that got mixed up with a seance and then she saw some stuff. She went to a priest, got some prayers done, it all left. Depression and thoughts of suicide. Paranormal events at home or work. As I actually spoke to the, the person that I spoke about last week that he said that when he moved into the house, he moved into, the, into his house and then they would have all these things of happening where they would hear noises and they would hear musical instruments being played in the house. So I thought to myself, maybe this person is a bit like thinking that everything's demonic. So I wanted to ask him, do you see anything else any other time? Did you have it before you moved into the house? No, no, no. I said, look, get the parish priest to come, make him do a holy water. Because he says they used to have a guitar at the house, and then in the night they would hear the guitar being played. And I don't like believing in those things, but as I said, I wasn't sure whether this person just had a, an episode where he could actually have a mental crisis, or he's saying the truth. So what happened was, he got the priest to come, they did a holy water, and guess what? All gone. See uh, paranormal events at home or work. See unexplained. Oh, by the way, then he told me, just because I spoke to him a few days ago, he said to me that a man walked up to him in the street and said, do you live here? And he goes, yes. He goes, my grandmother used to live here at this house. He goes, oh, right. He goes, you know she lives, you know she's still there, don't you? But she's a good ghost which I should, and I like to add in brackets, which plays the guitar. <laughs> um, souls of people do not stay in places. All these haunted houses and spirits of people, they are not at all people. They are not the souls of people. They are demons who are pretending to be people to trick people. That's it. See unexplainable, frightening images in photographs. Irrational fears and phobias. Sudden drastic changes in behaviour or character, such as increased anger and violence. Having a serious illness of unknown cause. Have frequent vivid night terrors and nightmares. Suffer from panic or anxiety attacks and the victim of a stalker. So he has not left anything. He has gone through every single thing which people are troubled and people are looking for solutions. St. Nikolai Velimirovich says that ignorance kills souls. Today, people have a lot of knowledge of what's going on in the world, 
who just died recently, people will say, Nelson Mandela. People know. Who was there? Barack Obama, George Bush, Clinton, uh, rep, um, someone from the royal family. People know about everything. Just go on the internet now and you can have the knowledge of good and evil. Everything, whatever you need to know, plenty of information. But people have not much idea of their own faith or they study the faith but in the wrong way. And especially people don't have knowledge, the most important knowledge is knowledge of themselves. We need to have knowledge of ourselves. If we want to progress in the spiritual life, we need knowledge of ourselves. People who search, search, search for knowledge all the time, what I've noticed with them is they have no idea of themselves. They don't want to know about themselves. This is why it's, it's important to learn what the church teaches about magic. We could, without knowing it, be practicing witchcraft or have fallen victims indirectly. Not that someone's just done it to us, but that we're involved in it ourselves. Television, periodicals, magazines, films, radios. They even have now on these radio morning shows, they've got mediums, astrologers. People ring up. And the medium's talking to them about their uh, astrology, about their, 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 their lives, about someone that's died. Horoscopes. Prophecies of the future that you watch now. Towards the end of the year, the Today, Tonight, Current Affairs program, they're going to have some idiot come on there who's going to say to us what's going to happen that year. Numerology, tarot cards, crystal charms, I don't even know what that is. Aromatherapy, hypnosis, some hip these hypnosis things. That's not orthodox. Palm reading. Some people say, okay, palm reading, I know that's evil. But you could be going to a doctor or you could be going to a, some health person like I did years ago. I went to the dentist and I said to him, I've got problems here, around, my, uh, around here. And he said, sounds like you've got TM, is that right? T TJ, is it? TMJ, whatever that stands for. Anyway, it stands for that it, it, my, it, my joints hurt. And... He sent me to a physiotherapist that's really, and, and that helps. So I went to the physiotherapist and um, she was doing some things there. But after a while, I, I brought someone with me too, which used to sit in the room, um, the, my, the, the person that was driving me. And, uh, and I was fortunate that he came along. So this person's doing some things. At the beginning, she was doing things like a physiotherapy. But then after a while, I was falling asleep on the actual, um, on, on the bed there, whatever it's called. And the person, and every time I would, go, I would go back to the monastery after visiting there, I'd be very aggressive, very angry. And then after some number of times, the person told me, then it took him so long to say it, he said to me, do you know that when you're on there, she puts her hands just like that on top of you? I said, yes, yeah. so she's, well, she's massaging, is she? She goes, no, she just does like this and salivates. I said, what do you mean by that? She goes, oh, she's always... And she's just got her hands like that. So she, I don't... I said, oh, I think I'll fall into the hands of some um, satanic person. 
without knowing. A dentist, to a physiotherapist, to a demonic person, which I didn't even know. And it's everywhere now. Homeopathy. In Greece, they say it's wrong. I believe what they say in Greece, because Greece is very strong in their orthodoxy. And if anyone knows, they know. That's where Mount Athos is. That's where there are thousands of monasteries. There's nowhere else on earth that there are, just on Mount Athos, there's a, every day there's a, around 1,000 liturgies being served. And that's not counting Greece as well, where there's monasteries everywhere. I've gone to um, a naturopath, and she says that she's got this homeopathy. I said, I don't want homeopathy. But it's okay. But it's not okay. Because what they do is when they prepare that, that, that mixture, they're saying like prayers. And today more and more the medical field is actually introducing these things into normal medical practices. Meditation, these type of things. You've got to be careful. What are you doing? What are you taking? Be cautious. Martial arts, some forms of martial arts, is demonic. When you're bound down to some type of masters and things like that, and some spirit comes into you to give you strength and you scream and shout and things like that, I don't think that's godly. But of course there are practices in martial arts which is uh, like wrestling or some other things like that. You know, they don't, they don't use the demonic part of things. I'm going to read to you from Elder Paisius's book here, which I was very happy last talk because I, I strongly recommended the four books um, which we sold around 15, which was very good. And there are four from Elder Paisios of Mount Athos Spiritual Councils, Volume 1, Volume 2, Volume 3, Volume 4. And I strongly recommend, you don't have to buy them from here, that's one of the same if you can buy them from you can buy them whatever you want. I strongly recommend every Orthodox Christian needs to have these books, whether in Russian or Serbian or English or whatever, Greek. When you read these books, you, your whole mentality changes. As it's important... It's also, this is the, um, the official life of Elder Paisios. That's also something which is good. Now, they just, they just re- recently canonised Elder Porfirios, who's now been recognised as a saint, even though he died in 1991, just 22 years ago, but he's been recognised by the Orthodox Church now as a saint. And I think Elder Paisius is, is soon to be canonised as well. Now, in, that, in one of those books, book three, I read something which I always knew, but after reading it, I said, now, if people read this, that would explain all those television programmes about these haunted houses and things moving around and things gone missing and doors opening and closing and things like that. A young magician from the Tibet came to my Kalivi, Elder Paisio says. Kalivi is like his house. 
and told me many stories about his life. When he was three years old, uh, he was pledged by his father to a group of 30 sorcerers of one of the highest of the higher orders in Tibet. Tibet is a place where they into this magic things, so that he could be initiated into the art of magic. Over the, which is the same with Saints for Saint Cyprian. I think he also from young was taught that those things. But he was 1700 years ago. This is now. This is still happening. Over the years he he attained to the 11th degree of magic with the 12th being the highest degree. At the age of 16 he left Tibet and went to Sweden to see his father. While there he met by chance a devout orthodox priest and asked to speak with him. The young man knew nothing about what it meant to be an orthodox priest. So he just saw this person in black and he says, oh, can I speak to you? Not that he knew, nor did he want to learn anything from the priest. He must have just said, I'm going to um, show him who's got the powers. The young magician started showing off some of his powers in the room where they sat to talk. He called upon one of the leaders of the demons, he actually called on him and told him, I want some water. Then a glass in the kitchen rose into the air, floated to the sink, the, 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 the faucet, as the Americans say, the tap, uh, automatically turned on, filling the glass with water. The glass passed through a closed glass door and levitated into the room where they were sitting, the priest and the, the magician. The young man took the glass and drank the water. This is a story that Elder Paisios said, uh, 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 related in, in, in that book. I have no doubts that that, that that happens. No doubts whatsoever. So we see people watching these programs of these haunted places and all this type of stuff and say, oh, look, how did that move? It must be true. It must be the soul of the, of the prisoner that used to be in the jail. Or, in the case of Liverpool, I think it was, was it a psychiatric hospital, I'm not sure. It must be the soul of some of the, the patients that were there. And they record things, like idiots. They've got these recordings, they've got these cameras, and they go, oh, did you see that? Did you hear that? Look, what's that? Oh, wow, that. And they're, and they're all being played, thinking that they're souls of people when they're just demons tricking them and, and, and uh, they even got these um, uh, police, police, part of the police in America, I forgot which, which state, where they've got a, like a, and, and, and they actually go around and they are investigating occult a, a, a things. These are police and they use all the forensics of the police force to find out about what the spirits are doing in the house. Psychic detectives, that's one of them. I think, yeah, I think this is another one. But that one, what you're saying is they're not, they're not part of the police. They just work. The police actually use them as well. Police actually get lay people to come along to help them find the missing kidnapped child. But the problem is that they never find them. One gala in, in Greece said, um, they went to the, her and they said, is this... Uh, this, uh, there was a missing teenage girl. Um, you know, do you see her? Do you know? She goes, yes, she's still alive. They found her dead. 
That's why it's important to have knowledge of what the church teaches. And when I say knowledge, I don't mean we just read what some theologian writes from one of these modern theological academies or philosophy. Because not that I'm against studying theology, I'm against those who study theology and believe that by studying it, that makes them special. Saint Nectarius was the first Greek saint to be, who was a theologian. We have Saint Eustin Popovich of Serbia, a theologian. Saint Nikolai, a theologian. We have Saint John of Kronstan in Russia. He also studied theology. But not only did they study theology, they also were leading a spiritual life. Today, the majority of those going to theological universities and colleges have no idea of what spiritual life is. So they come out with their minds. All this knowledge, full of pride. And then when they write their books, or when they speak, they speak things that are contrary to the church. That's why I advise people to read the Holy Fathers, especially those that lived close to us in our times, and the holy elders and eldresses that have lived close to our times who can interpret uh, the orthodox teaching for the times that we live in. I will not read any of their materials. Sorry, that's my opinion. I don't, I don't touch... I will not touch their books or their, or their articles. As soon as I see graduate of such and such... Just get rid of it. Unless I know that they are patristic, that they are uh, God-fearing people, that they are pro-monasticism, because a lot of the ones that are coming out of these theological are anti-monastic, uh, they're against monasticism. Without monasticism, there's no orthodoxy. As the Holy Fathers say, the backbone of orthodoxy is monasticism. We as humans have a backbone. If the backbone, something happens to it, we can't stand upright. We need a backbone to be upright. The same as orthodoxy. Orthodoxy cannot stand without the backbone, which is monasticism. As soon as you see someone who is against the monasticism of the orthodox church, run for your lives. Don't even look behind. Because they are monsters. Elder Cleopa was asked the question, what are the consequences of the sin of witchcraft? Elder Cleopa responds, those who practice... Uh, sorry, the Elder Cleopa is an elder who has not been canonised yet, but he died in the... I've forgotten now, 94, I think. He passed away. He was considered the spiritual father of Romanian Orthodox Church, a very holy person. Like we have these Elder Porphyrios and Elder Paisios and these other saints in the Greek Church, Romania had him. So we take note. 
In his case, he didn't study theology. He learned theology directly from God. But there are other saints who did teach, who did learn theology. One of them being Saint Justin Bovich, who is the one of the, the greatest dogmatic theologian of the 20th century. Saint Saint, Saint Justin Potro, uh, Popovich served liturgy every day. Some of those people that come out of those theological colleges don't even go to liturgy. Don't even commune. And yet they're writing material for the Orthodox people and preaching in Orthodox churches. Many of them become bishops. The consequence of that is obvious because you can see what's happening today with ecumenism, but let's, let's leave that for another time. Now, St. Elder Cleopas says, those who practice witchcraft and go to witches commit a great sin against the Holy Spirit as they leave God and ask for the devil's help. They relinquish Christ's servants, the holy priests, and go to Satan's servants. I love that. He calls all the mediums and all that, he calls them Satan's servants. That is, they abandon the living water, the priest, and the churches, grace, and for the sake of their passionate and human interests, they call in the help of Christ's enemies, the wizards and witches, the magicians, in other words. They cast off the truth, and instead they receive a lying, as all the wizards' words are nothing but devilish lies and deception. Such a great sin that those guilty of it commit against the Holy Spirit aren't forgiven, neither during the current age nor in the age to come. As Christ himself says, now be careful here, see, we can, look, we can hear that and say, oh, what are you saying that it's not forgiven? Unless they repent throughout their lives. So yes, people have fallen to these things. All of us have fallen to those things. When you're not near the church, you, you, you fall into these things. However, we repent for the rest of our lives and then God will forgive us. It does, see what he says? He didn't say, go to the priest, confess, get read, and finished. Did he say that? No. He said, obviously you go and confess, but to repent for the rest of your life and, I may I add, Offer fruits worthy of repentance. What does that mean? It means, for example, a woman committed an abortion. What's a, what can she do to prove her repentance? Have more children. And if she can't have more children, then to do something that can help. Oh, you can help orphans. You can adopt an orphan. Or you can give out material to do the topic to help other women not to fall into the same sin books, things like that, talks. Some people, one woman told me that her mother, when she was sick with cancer, somehow the relatives, she was out of it, and they took her to a magician, and they gave her, they gave her potions and all these things. And she said to me, I don't even know if my mother confessed it to the priest, did she even know it was wrong, whatever. I said, okay, you now take on this. You, you have to work for your mother, for her, for her soul. You need to um, do deeds for her soul on, for, on, 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 her, on her behalf. 
So she went and bought some books and things like that and gave them out to different priests and, all, and things like that. She bought a few hundred books maybe and gave them out. Not just go and say, and if the priest does not give us a penance, it doesn't matter. We put penances on ourselves and say, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give out these sheets. I'm going to do something else. One woman said to me once, she, says, I, uh, she confessed and she said that she thinks she took, uh, well, she, uh, she thought she was pregnant. She went to the chemist. She got a morning after pill. She took it and she was crying and upset because she wasn't sure. Was she pregnant? Was she not? There's a high chance that maybe she was pregnant and therefore she had an abortion. And I said to her, have you confessed? Yes, I've confessed. That's okay. That's the first step. Now you must offer fruits of repentance, worthy of repentance. And, I, and my advice to her was is to, to go to a um, nursing home and um, dedicate some time every week to the nursing home and helping uh, those in people there who can't even pick up a glass of water. Help them, feed them. Do that a couple of hours a, a week to the best of your ability so that you can show to God that I am sorry. And he said here that um, unless they repent throughout their lives, all sorts of misfortunes and dangers before those guilty of such sin, those who resort to charmers, first of all, one will face the remorse of one's own conscience for having abandoned God and call for the help of God's enemy. And he says here that all bad things happen to those who go to those places. And But apart from that, he said, a person's conscience burns them that they even went. They might not even know that their conscience is because of that. But, but they have anxiety, depression. They can't calm down. They need to reconcile with God. And you reconcile with God through repentance and confession. Elder Cleopar teaches another thing. He says, whoever has a firm belief in God, who prays to God constantly and goes to the Holy Church regularly, will never resort to devils and magicians for help as they are the enemies of God. It's not enough to be a, go to church a bit. No, he says... If you want to protect yourself and not be tempted to go, one needs to be a person of prayer and a person who goes to church regularly, communes regularly. Therefore, whenever we fall ill or have any other problems in our lives or are unjustly treated or suffer from some damage or have marriageable sons or daughters that they can't get married, in other words, or any other family issues... Let us not go to the help of, let us not resort to the help of the devil and his servants. The wizards and fortune tellers, but to the church and priests, to fasting and praying. And we will instantly receive help from our good father who made us and has mercy on us. See, these are the words, these are what we want to hear. Not the modern theologians who unfortunately have positions a lot in the church, oh, some of them become very upset. They say, you don't... Once a priest came here during an unction service and 
he was into like he's into psychology and things like that and during a sermon that I was giving he was upset he was scandalized and he ran to the bishop to say what a bad priest I am what sin did I do did I tell people that they can watch pornography no did I tell people that it's okay to take drugs? No. Did I say to people if you fall, if sin, doesn't matter before marriage, after marriage, doesn't matter? No. What did I say that upset this priest? That he went and ran. I said the word devil. He said that that scares people. And I said to the bishop at the time, I said to him, well... Psychologists don't believe in, the, in that, do they? He goes, no, he's got that mentality. So, today, the Orthodox Church has been infiltrated not only with Western theology, but with a new theology, the theology of psychology. But today, it's not me that's speaking. We are listening to Elder Cleopa of Romania. We are listening to Elder Paisios. We are listening to St. John Chrysostom. And we are listening to St. Nicodemus. We are listening to great elders and saints of the Orthodox Church. And they speak differently to what we hear today those who resort to magicians to get help are going to the devil for help straight out so those who have steadfast faith in god should ask him for his help at all times and the ones who have weak faith who have resorted to wizards in other words magicians if they wish to be saved First of all, they must confess their sin and then ask for a canon, meaning a penance. Look how beautifully the saint speaks. Say to the priest, I want a, a penance. Then they should pray as much as possible with prayers and tears that come from the heart and thus with patience and faith they will be saved from witchcraft and will receive the grace of the Holy Spirit. Amen. See, when I read these things, I'm, I become filled. Some might say, that priest speaks with authority sometimes, and who's he to speak with authority? But the thing is, I'm not speaking from myself. I'm speaking from what the saints and the elders say. And that's why I have that authority. Because I'm speaking of what the church teaches and is, and is expressed through her saints and 
holy people. Now let's go through some other things that people might not know is actually a form of uh, witchcraft and these magic things. A person may not go to a magician to find out the future, but he might be actually acting as a medium himself or herself without knowing it, and these are Orthodox Christians. For example, a person, this per, a person told me this story, a person was praying, asking God to show him a sign that what he was thinking of doing was from him, just like Joseph Smith, who started the, what are they, the Mormons, is it? Yeah, the Mormon people, and also Muhammad as well. He also prayed in his cave and, and um, was given some revelations and gave the, those who follow him the Quran, which blasphemes Christ. But that was through praying. So, let's go on here. So this person was, was one day standing somewhere outside. There was no wind whatsoever. It was a very calm day. And this is an extreme example, but still, people still do these things. And maybe the, the result's not as like in your face as this one is, but still, it's, it, people do it and it's wrong. And he was standing in the streets and said, God, please show me the, what I should do. If it's meant for me to do something in the church, whatever he was thinking of doing, make a leaf fall from that tree. See, it's blasphemy. And then suddenly, the tree fell. The tree actually fell down. And he took that as being a sign from God, even though he asked for a leaf. But he got the whole tree. Those type of things, and then he did those, I think he made up something to do with rock music in the Christian church. Rock music. Don't ask for signs because the demons will play with us and he'll make things happen and confuse us and lead us to madness. When we don't know what to do, we pray to God and we say, God, please show me. And that's it. Don't ask for signs. By doing that, in a way, we are acting as mediums. Opening holy, number two, that was the first one, seeking signs. Opening holy books at a random page. So some people might get the Bible or a spiritual book, the Psalms, it could be anything, and pray and say, God, please help me to know what to do with my life and open it up to a page and whatever their eyes fall on, and then they interpret it. Similar to the way the mediums interpret the clouds or to... to, to to interpret some sign. That's, that's a form of, of being a medium. That's a form of divination. How do you know what you're interpreting is correct? Let's see where, let's see where it fell here. Let's see what it says. 
An Athenite monk was living by himself in his cell and lost in useless concerns. He couldn't find spiritual comfort or rest. Just, just take the philokalia and your prayer rope, the elder, the elder advised him, and go over there beyond the chestnut tree. Now from that, I'm going to have to interpret that. So how do we know what we're saying is from God? How do we know what we're saying is not from the demons? And how do we know that the interpretation that's being said, the demons are playing with our minds and presenting all these things that aren't true? So therefore, it's forbidden by the church. I've only seen it once in one of the Russian saints where a saint did that. Now, does that mean it's right? No, but he's a saint. Saints practiced, did things at the time. Maybe they used to practice it at their time and he just did it. It doesn't mean it's correct. Was it practiced by others all around the world? No. It's, it's wrong. Priests in the, in, in the years ago, I don't know if they're not now, but back in ignorant priests, um, priests from villages and things like that, they would do things like that. They would act as mediums. So they would go and they'd say, the purple say, oh, uh, Father, can you do that? And he would open up the gospel and then he would tip it to them. I was speaking to a woman the other day and I said something about that and she says, oh, I do that. I said, but that's not right. She goes, no, but I, um, but, but I just do it because, you know, I'm just reading, I just open up the book around. She tried to say she opens up random and just reads not to get any interpretations. And then... I got upset because uh, I knew she was lying. I said to her, do you interpret what you are opening up to? And she said, yes, sometimes. But, but you know, it's just, it's all the paisios and sometimes when I feel like I don't know what to do or I feel something, then I open it up at random. I said, you don't do that. And the same thing happened. What happened? This is a recording, the same thing. But it's Elder Paisius, and I'm reading this and that. Pluck again. And then I rang her up, back again. I said, and? She goes, well, you're right, because from that, and now I've led to something else. I go, what? Because I look at the icon of the Mother of God to see if she's smiling or frowning, and then from that I can see if I'm doing the right thing or not. I said, so in other words, you're a medium. And then the, the demons play jokes and play, play tricks. So let's remember that. Divination. The practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means, brackets, the help of the devil. Okay, I think that's it for now. We're up to page 14. We're going well. We've got another 40 pages to go. So quickly, have something. Someone asked me at the, during the interval what happened with the man that went to Elder Paisios, the, the fellow with the powers and all that. Um, it's in the book. It's in volume three. Just go there. It talks about it in more detail. I just gave you the main part. Astrology, horoscopes and zodiac. I found a question on an OCA website, that's Orthodox Church of America, and a person wrote there to a priest and says, I'm fully aware that the Orthodox Church forbids astrology, but once, out of idle curiosity, I looked up my astrological sign 
and read about the personality type. It matched me per, it matched my personality nearly 100%. If the church teaches that this is wrong, then how is it that astrology seems true in this case? Now, that's a good question because that's how a lot of people who are ignorant believe. I feel that people are a bit unsettled and just that's it, calm, calm, calmness is the best. Have you ever heard, the, the, the priest answers, have you ever heard of coincidence or have you ever considered that the astrological personality types are so broad and so general that just about anyone would see himself or herself as fitting into what is described? Also, have you considered that a nearly 100% match falls short of being an absolute 100% match. I know many Capricorns, the priest says, who suffer from social anxiety disorder. Yet, their star sign defines them as being rather expressive and outgoing, in other words, social. And I'm, and I'm sure that if you check everyone born under your particular sign, they will have a wide variety of different personalities, even though they all might be predisposed to seeing themselves different than how they really are. I like the way he wrote predisposed. When someone thinks it's true and he reads it, then he'll believe it's true. So if you're reading a star sign and you've got faith in what you're reading, then even though it's full of rubbish, you'll still believe it's true. I know a woman, says the priest, he continues on with his answer, who years ago went to an astrologist. He told her that she would move and live near water. Years later, she got married and bought a house that had a creek running through the backyard. This, she claimed, proved that the astrologist indeed held the truth and foresaw her destiny. I responded by asking, where would one have to live not to be near water except on Mars? She insisted on remaining convinced that the astrologist held the truth and knew her future. She persisted. Of course, if she was on the phone with me, we know the solution. His information was so general, however, that it was bound to come true at some point in time. Everyone, quite frankly, lives near water. By the way, on the, on the, on the phone, I am, I am strict like that with people who are church people. When people just come into the church that don't know much, I'm, I, do, I, I treat them differently because they have no idea of the church's teaching and you've got to be um, patient. But when people that have been in the church for 15, 20 years are stubborn, then sometimes you've got to use those procedures. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth of, of our lives. There is no truth in astrology. Stars do not control our destiny any more than rocks do. That was a nice, simple answer as an introduction. Now, this book, Confronting the Devil, Magic and the Occult, is an excellent book written by a Greek priest um, from Greece. And... Uh, it is, he, he really has summarised a lot of things, he's given a lot of good examples, and he's also written the book on marriage, which we're at the back, the spiritual arena. He's also written a book called um, 
the uh, spiritual father. He writes very simple for people of the world. So that's a very highly recommended book. It's, it's published by Orthodox Book Centre. Now, in there, he speaks about it too. He says, there are 12 signs. Now, remember, some of you might say, I would never read it. But if you did, if you were into it when you were before, when you were not in the church, a lot of times the, we're brainwashed and we still believe behind somewhere there that we still believe in it. We need to struggle to reject it. It takes an effort. You can't just say, oh, I don't believe anymore because I'm in the church. If we've been brainwashed, if people read these star signs for many years, then it's going to be very hard for them to reject it completely. So there needs to be a spiritual struggle. And the more we know about it, the better it is. There are 12 signs. They're called Libra, Scorpio, Aries and so on. I might even say the names wrong because I wasn't ever into this. People who concern themselves with these believe that. Depending on the month in which you were born, you will belong to a certain zodiac sign. And depending on that sign you will belong to, you'll have the particular character that goes with it. In other words, what you, what you are doesn't depend on you but on your zodiac sign. Now this is important because this is completely against what the church teaches. So what he's saying here is how you're born, what time of the year you're born, will determine your character. The influence of each sign begins on the 21st of each month and runs through to the 20th of the following month. Scorpio, for example, belong, begins on October 21 and ends on November 20. So if you were born during that period, even in one minute past 12, on the morning of October, the 21st, then you will have the character associated with Scorpio, the main feature of which is treachery. In other words, that the, the deceit, betrayal. So if you were born, uh, if, so if you were supposedly born and that's your star sign, then whether you like it or not, you're going to be a deceitful person and a backstabber. It's not really your fault that you're like this, says the father, the, the archmond right here. You're the victim. Your sign is to blame the moment of your birth. If, you, if, if your mother had gone into labour a bit earlier and you would have been born at one minute before 12 on October the 20th and you would have been a Libra, then you'd have been different as a person and had a different character. You would have been straightforward and kind or because of your good zodiac sign. Look, it doesn't, I, I, I never followed these things when I was younger. I followed other things, just, just as stupid, but I never followed this. I'm quite ignorant. I had to learn a little bit about it so I can do it for the talk. Then I went through and found some descriptions of these, these star signs which um, I, when I was reading the things, I've, uh, I, I found them sometimes hilarious. At one stage, I found it so funny, I thought I was going to fall off the chair, right? I just couldn't believe the, the stupidities that people believe. Listen to this one now for Aries, the ram. 
Aries people are creative, adaptive and insightful. They can also be strong-willed and spontaneous, sometimes to a fault. Aries people can be driven and are very ambitious, often making them overachievers in anything they are set, that they set their mind to tackle. They may be quick to anger, but don't take it personally. It's just their fiery, passionate personality shown through. So it doesn't matter. So anger has been a sin. Don't worry about it because you were born under this star sign. You don't worry about the fact that you've got anger. It's just your personality. See? All, all against the, the uh, spiritual struggle of the Orthodox Church. Aries signs have excellent sense of humour and they get along with almost everyone at the party and in brackets and they do know how to party. <laughs> the only problem is I know a lot of people that were born in that period that have got so much social anxiety they don't go anywhere. So what happens to them? Aries can, can be impatient but we love them anyway because they are devoted friends, lovers and family members. They are loyal to the end. So if you marry someone who's an Aries, you won't get divorced. But the problem is that a lot of people that are Aries are divorced. So what happened to the loyalty? Something went wrong there. Taurus zodiac signs and meanings. Like the animal, it's all about strength, stamina and will. See, all this is praising. It's very important. Demons pray. So when, you, when, you, when you're told that you are the reincarnation, usually you're a reincarnation of some Egyptian pharaoh. I don't know like, how many people can be reincarnations of the pharaoh, but that's it. I feel superior. It's like I feel like everyone under me are ants because I have this, I used to be a, um, what is it, a pharaoh. Not the fact that you've got demonic pride and that you look at everyone like, like um, you know what. No. Anyway, stubborn by nature, the Taurus will stand his or her ground to the bitter end, sometimes even irrationally so. But that's okay because the Taurus is also a loving, sympathetic and appreciative sign. So they're, 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 they are stand their ground even if it's irrational, even if they're wrong, they'll still stand their ground. Fantastic person to marry. The Taurus is very understanding, and when we need someone to unburden ourselves, so the Taurus is very... I might have to call Mr. Cissé, because I just saw... I just saw a light coming from the edge of... Maybe he can interpret it what it is. But what it was was just the camera, you see? So you can, you can, you can um, get tricked. Last week it was the lightning. This week it's that. So anyway, let's go on. I love this one here. The Taurus is very understanding. When we need someone to unburden ourselves too, we often share our deepest fears with the, with the Taurians of, that, of, of the Zodiac. The problem is if the person's irrational, what's he going to tell you? So if you say to him, I've got thoughts that I'm going to become a doctor even though I fail school, and what's the person going to say to you? He goes, no, you, you, you'll do it. You'll be able to do it. The moon 
sorry, the cancer, the crab. The moon is their ruler. See, God is our ruler. But for them, for the cancer person who believes in this stupidity, the moon is their ruler so they can be a bit of a contradiction and sometimes moody. However, they are conservative, so they'll be apt to hide their moods from others altogether. Pretty much everyone's close today. A lot of people hide their moods. How many people I speak to, it's very, very rare for someone to open up their, their real self. That's the way society's made people today. Cancerians, as I say, make loyal, sympathetic friends. However, Cancerians need alone, alone time when, and when they retreat, let them do so on their own terms. And the last one, we don't want to read too much because, you know, it's already, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already sick. Libra, the scales, September the 23rd to October the 22nd, with, they are ruled by the planet Venus. Libra, uh, is that right? Libras, sorry, are very, sorry if I'm saying the words wrong, I'm not familiar with it. Libras are very understanding, caring, and often the champion of underdogs. They have keen intuitions, but often don't give themselves enough credit for their perceptions or pride. All that um, praising. And people want to be praised today. We live in a time where where the children, they've grown up, even the 30-year-old people, 40-year-old, they have been brought up in this period of this praise. That's the psychologist, you see, because the psychologist says enough with the negative, no smacking, no negative, it's all praise, praise, praise. And what, and what they found now is that uh, these people that have been brought up like that are sick. So when they go to work, they have to be praised. They can't be told anything negative. It's a big problem. See, on the current affairs, there was a butcher there who, who said that apart that the, a lot of the apprentices are uh, illiterate, because the schools are producing illiterate people, you hear a lot of these people saying that they, they don't listen, they, don't, they can't follow instructions, they cannot be told anything. And this comes from this, this, this is from the psychologists. Now they're turning around and saying different. No, you must. Before it was, you can't say no, you can't say that's bad, you can't say none of that. And now they turn around and say, oh, you must tell the child that what they're doing is wrong. So it's like years ago. You don't eat too many eggs because it's cholesterol, which I never listened to anyway. And then they're, now they're saying that, now that's good cholesterol. So they change, see, things to do with food changes, things to do with medicine changes, and things to do with psychology changes continue. The only thing that doesn't change is the church. The teachings of the church never change. They can be quiet and shy, if not persuaded to come out of their shell. Ironically, and in spite of their introverted nature, they make excellent debaters, often proven a point from out of seemingly nowhere. So you can see from this that depending on when you were born, your character is set. And they got these broad descriptions which tickle people's fancy and praise them. We have something in the gospel about that, about that um, 
celestial bodies influence people's behaviour. And it's Matthew 4.24 where, where it says there, Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, lunatics and paralytics, and he healed them. And Matthew chapter 17, lines 14 to 16, And when they had come to the... And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. I'm interested in the lunatic. It comes from the word lunar, which means moon. The people of that time believed that when there was a full moon, the person would become crazy. And that's why they called them lunatics. Some of the psychologists have got a different interpretation. They say that they would just, uh, they would suffer from epilepsy. But let's see what Blessed Theophilac writes, because we're not really interested in what the psychologists have to say. Blessed Theophilac, who explains the Gospels, there are four books, or we've got four here, explanations. Lunatic, he says, means those who were possessed by demons. The moon was not the cause, but rather the demon would take note when the moon was full, would wait until the moon was full, in other words, and then would attack his victims. The devil does this so that the moon would appear to be the cause of suffering, so that men would blaspheme the created works of God as harmful. For the devil wanted men to believe that their heavenly bodies cause evil. Saint Theophilact is saying clearly there that this is a trick of the demons to make people believe that the moon can influence people's behaviour. And so for some, some don't believe, but for some to say, see, God created the moon the moon is causing problems, therefore God created something evil. Those who had their relatives who were suffering from this particular problem could blaspheme God and say, what kind of a God is allowing my child or husband or relative to suffer like this? Because they would suffer, they would go into like fits. And as it says here, he would often fall into the fire and often to the water. And could have been killed. If not, some of them might have, might have been killed. So people would say, this is from God. Now, we can say, okay, that was, that was centuries ago. We're all, we're all developed now because we live in the time of the 21st century. We have the internet, which is the new God. And we, are, we have knowledge. We don't believe those things anymore, that the moon is the cause. But I just read the astrology which said the moon is the ruling and Venus, etc., etc. But apart from that, to your surprise, a person that was helping me type up these notes, he said to me he's got a cousin who works in a hospital. And she said, oh, the full moon's coming. And that means we're going to have a lot of emergency cases mental and, and other things resulting from violence and that happens during the full moon. Now I saw this on the current affair program or the to date or not, I forgot which one it is, 
where they had doctors, top doctors of emergency wards, and they said that without a doubt, when it's a full moon, the casualty, the emergency department is full. So what are these educated people saying? Well, they're saying that they believe that the full moon causes these people to become violent and become like crazy. So not something that was believed thousands of years ago, it's still believed. Horoscopes from Confronting the Devil again from that book by Archimandrite Vasilius Bakoyanis there, nice Greek name. Those who deal in astrology believe that your horoscope determines the everyday events in your life and even your future. So they don't just tell you about your character, but they even say your future. In other words, that whatever might happen to you in the course of your life is written in your horoscope. So there's no point in worrying about or striving for a better future. Whatever it is, it's been mapped out. So it doesn't matter. Uh, You've got, you got no say in the future. Astrologers who delve into your horoscope can tell you your fortune. There was one in Greece who used to advertise, quote, he used to have it up on his billboards, through your horoscope I can foretell the course of your life, end quote. Through your horoscope, I can foretell the course of your life. People are obsessed about that. People want to know about their future. Orthodox Christians, the closer we are to God, the less we are interested in the future. Because Christ says, worry about today, it's got enough problems. Not to worry about the future. It's a demonic thing that when someone wants to know the future... Does that mean the church doesn't have prophecies? The church have prophecies, yes, and they are written in the Bible, yes, and they're interpreted by the Holy Fathers, yes, and there are some saints who did say some things, like Saint Andrew said that uh, Russia will be converted, that the centre of Christianity will be Kiev, etc., and that happened, obviously, we know, that Russia, uh, that the people were baptised in the 11th, in the 10th century, and other prophecies like that. Yes, there are some things like that. But this thing to go to a, me a medium to find out whether your children are going to get married or will you, will you pass an exam or will you win a court case and other things. Anyway, Father Archimandrite Bakuyanis here, Vasilios, he ends his paragraph where he tells us what he thinks about it. Hogwash. In other words, rubbish. Now, be careful. Would you, a logical, reasonable per person, entrust your future to a lifeless thing like a horoscope and not to God's providence? If the horoscope brings you something bad, you wouldn't protest and you wouldn't reject it. So if someone hears from their horoscope something bad's going to happen, they don't get upset with the person reading the horoscope. Like that. But if God brings you something bad in your life, you grumble and complain. You might even reject God, but not your horoscope. You see here how much faith people have in horoscopes. Examples now. An astrologist at the end of 1987 gave the following fortunes. Mikhail Gorbachev, was that, is that his name? The, what was he, the president of Russia, was he? Of the Soviet Union? 
Now, this was, his, this was the prophecy of this um, uh, medium, this astrologer, astrologist. In 1988, he, this is at the end of 1987, in 1988, he will divorce his wife, Raisa, is it? Raisa? It didn't happen. They were still devoted couple when she passed away in 1999. B, Christina Onassis. This is what he said about her. In, 19, in 1988, he said this in 1987, and in 1988, she will remarry. In, 19, in 1988, Christina Onassis died. Now, there's another one which I liked. He actually uses Girolamo Cardano, who was uh, 1501 to 1576, 75 years old when he died. That's important. He was a famous mathematician, physician, and an astrologer. We're talking about satanic astrology. There's an astrophysicist who studies the stars, but he doesn't say that because a meteor is going to come past that someone's going to have a change of behaviour. They're just studying the stars. But then there's a, the other astrologers, which are, uh, uh, it's a pagan practice, which is satanic. Anyway, this man was also, he was a mathematician, he was a physician, but he was also an, astro an astrologer. He cast horoscopes for many important people and then for himself. He predicted that he would die at 75 years old. At 75, the problem was he was very healthy. So it was embarrassing because he predicted that he was going to die at 75. So he solved the problem very, very nicely. He committed suicide to save his reputation. When, now, when we allow the stars of heaven to guide our actions and not God who created the stars, then we are sinning. When we run to the newspapers to look up our horoscopes and our futures and, we, and do not seek wisdom and learning from the Bible, then we are sinning. And when we do or don't do this and that because astrologers say so and close our ears to God's commandments, then we are sinning. People actually lead their lives according to, the, to these things. We are sinning when we pray to our Christian God and at the same time take somewhat seriously the zodiac. We are not Aquarians, Pisceans, is that right, or Librans, sons and daughters of stars. We are men and women, sons and daughters of God. The church has always preached against astrology. And actually, astrology, they say, began during the time of the Babylonians over 4,000 years ago. They say, I don't know if it's true, but when they were building that tower and they wanted to go high, 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 because they wanted to come closer to the stars so they can study them more so they can determine their future. In Jeremiah, chapter 10, verse 2, it says here, thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the nations. Nations means the unbelievers, those who weren't Jews. Or be terrified by signs in the heavens, though the nations are terrified by them. For the practices of these people are worthless. So what God is saying here, Jeremiah speaking he says do not learn the way of the nations their satanic ways their astrologies and all these things and don't be terrified by signs in the heavens don't be because they lived their life according to these stars they were scared for the practices in other words the beliefs of these people are false worthless 
our canon law prohibits people from believing in astrology. There's actually canons in the, in the Rada. And it, and it says there in one of them, uh, it casts out people who make and sell or buy and wear the zodiac signs. It casts them out. What does it mean by that? It, in other words, the church excommunicates them, cuts them off from the church. That's how serious the church considered them. And they would only be allowed to reconcile with the church if they stopped that practice. St. Augustine considers astrology a religion of fate. In other words, destiny, luck, whatever, which is strongly condemned by the church. He feels that anyone who believes that our loving God would give power to stars in order to direct and govern our lives offends God's justice and love. And St. John Chrysostom sees the belief in stars as foolish, disbelief against God's all-powerfulness and creativity. He also points out, St. John Chrysostom, if we are directed by the stars, then there is no such thing as good or evil because we do not we, because we do what we do under the star's direction. See, the church teaches there's good and there's evil, and the Christian has, a, has to choose and struggle. But if you believe in stars, that's, that, that, that doesn't make any sense because it's beyond your... It's beyond. That's, the, that's how the stars have determined it. This means, St. John Christum says, this means that God's commandments, that man shall not sin or that man shall do good, come down to nothing but foolishness. It's a complete rejection of everything. The church fathers bring up the idea of twins. I think actually the pagans, because some of the pagans were against astrology. And saying, I think, uh, but the church fathers uh, use the same idea. They, they ask, why are there so many differences in the lives of twins? In their actions, fortunes, deeds, callings, honours and all such things concerning human life, even though they were conceived in the same moment. And St. Gregory the Great understands astrology as superstitious and foolishness. Astrologers told him, um, said to the St. Saint, Saint Gregory the Great, that a person born under the Aquarians, the Aquarius sign, was a fisherman, yet in the desert, St. Gregory says there are people who live in the desert that aren't fishermen, because they fish. In Persia, where a child is born to a king and becomes a prince, they say the star caused it so. But then he asks the saint, who can estimate how many slaves were born at the same time and the moment as the king's son? And yet the sons of kings born in the same hour as the slaves go on and become kings, while slaves born together with them die in slavery. And St. Gregory of Nyssa ends with by saying... Uh, rightly, uh, so St. Gregory of Nyssa rightly says if we are but instruments of heavenly rotation then we do not have free will and if a man loses his freedom he loses everything if a man is not free man is not a man the, the basis of the church the, of God is that man is born is given a free will just like the angels including the, the, the devil that later on chose to go against God he was given free will. Adam and Eve were given free will. This is very important. It's we, are, we will give word when we do evil or if we do good. It's got nothing to do that it's predetermined and that's beyond us. That's why the devil uses that. 
He wants us to get away from the truth regarding that God has given all human beings free will. Once he gets that out of our system, then he can make us do whatever he wants. Now I'm going to read an, an, a, a, an excellent section from St. Nicodemus about these topics. And he quotes a lot from St. John Chrysostom, whose icon we have here in the front. Firstly, St. Nicodemus begins by saying, it is only God who knows all things that are hidden and has foreknowledge of the future. Only God knows everything. Angels and men sometimes know hidden things, though not of themselves, but from revelation and illumination of divine light. In other words, when an angel tells us or gives a truth, it's because God enlightened him to give us that truth. If a saint tells us something of, that's hidden, it's because God enlightened him or her to do that. Magicians and demons, since they are darkened, do not have illumination from God. Consequently, cannot know hidden things. Only God knows the future. Only God knows the hidden. Angels know them, if God permits. I mean, the angels didn't even know that Christ was going to become man until they were told. The angels are not all-knowing. Saints are not all-knowing. Only God is all-knowing. So we read that again. That since the demons are darkened, they do not have illumination from God, and they therefore they cannot know hidden things. This is evident from the dream which King Nebuchadnezzar had. It is written in the second chapter of Daniel. Now, first I couldn't even say that word. I had to break it up and learn it. This comes from the book of Daniel. It was a pagan king. It says he had a dream. This is before Christ in the Old Testament. He had a dream, and when he woke up, he forgot the dream. So he had summoned all his magicians there, sorcerers, astrologers, and ordered them not only to explain the mean of his dream, but to say what was the dream. Otherwise, he would put them to death. He wanted to know what this dream was and what does it mean. So let's see what, the, what it says in the Bible. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream, well, sorry, what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cast in, cut into pieces and your house is turned into piles of rubble. However, if you tell me the dream and explain it, you receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. So now we have that. Now these, let's see now if they know how to interpret this dream. Let's see if they can work out what the dream was. St. Nicodemus continues, the poor magi, in other words the magi, the, the um, sorcerers, were distressed about this and with all their hearts begged the demons that they worshipped to reveal the dream to them, but in vain. So the, all these magicians, these astrologers, 
They begged the dimmers because that's who they serve. A lot of them could speak to the dimmers because the dimmers used to appear to them and said to them, tell us what the dream is. What is the dream? Tell us the interpretation because we're going to lose our heads. For the dream was so hidden that even the, dream, the demons could not know it. Thus the king pronounced his decision that the Magi be put to death. The king asked Daniel, that I'll read from the Bible, from Daniel. The king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpreted? So the king found out about Daniel, who was a Jew, and asked him, do you know how to interpret the dream? Daniel replied, no wise men, astrologers, magicians or diviners can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar, whatever, what will happen in days to come. So Prophet Daniel is saying, all your astrologers, all your magicians, all those people, they can't tell you anything. Only God in heaven can tell you. And, he, and then Saint um, Nicodemus continues, it was only God, it was only when God revealed the dream and its interpretation to the prophet Daniel that they escaped death. So in other words, prophet Daniel didn't know because the angels and the saints are not all knowing. So how did he explain it? Because God enlightened him. And why and how did God enlighten him? Because he was pure. While those who worshipped demons couldn't do it. Now, what is a prophet, just so that you know? Some people believe a prophet, as it's said in the Old Testament, is someone who knows the future. That's not the definition of a prophet completely. Um, the, proper, the, the proper definition of what a prophet was was one who was considered a holy person, a teacher, a miracle worker, a healer, a moral authority that would tell people what God's commandments are, an interpreter of God's will, and one who expressed the future, could express the future. So that's the definition of a prophet. A prophet is not just one who just sat there, like the Oracle of Delphi, as we're going to read in a minute, and just would say all these, all these, all these things about the future. No, a prophet is that. Now, if you look at the list of those things, it's very important that were he only to prophesy and say to people what the future is, everyone would love him. But all the prophets were tortured and killed. Why? Because the prophets would tell the people what they were doing was wrong. The prophet would say to them they have to repent to keep the commandments, that's not right. And if that's not done, then God will punish, etc., etc. That is the truth. And that's what a priest needs to do. A priest is one who is telling the people the law of God and correcting people and helping people to come close to God. That's why priests aren't liked. Saint Nicodemus, Saint Ignatius, the Russian Saint Branchinov, he actually says that a priest who preaches repentance and teaches the word of God and asks and, and tells people to change their lives is not liked. However, if he does miracles or he's 
you know, supposedly knows the future and all that. People love them. Now, once this priest came from Greece. And he would, he preached. And he also uh, did a miracle. There was a woman in a wheelchair and he um, did some prayers over her and she walked. On purpose, I decided to, because he was doing some talks at a house, so I decided to go to the next place where that was, which was at Irwood. So I went there and what did I see? I thought I was, in, I, I was at Lourdes. Wheelchairs, people with walking sticks. I'm telling you, it was hundreds and hundreds of people that couldn't fit in the house. So I had to speak at the back of the, there was a veranda and, the, and the, they had a big backyard like most houses at all would have and it was full of people. Number one. Number two, he would say things like um, clairvoyant things to the people. Oh, they loved him. Then I found out that one day he went to get dressed. This is true. And sickening. He couldn't find his pants. And later on it was found out that someone stole the pants and they cut him up into pieces to make philakta, which means in Greek, like amulets to give to the people. So I got no woes of my pants being stolen. <laughs> Why? Because a lot of times I'm smacking you down for, for, for reasons and encouraging. No miracles, no clairvoyance, no, no, no clairvoyant things. Now we go on, and that's what happened. I told the priest, I said, you shouldn't get to tell the people that, you know, what is priesthood and that miracles can occur. I don't even know, you know, um, that woman, I think what happened was she was mixed up in magic. I would come into that later on anyway. Um, so I'll just summarise. A priest or bishop who preaches the word of God and corrects people, warns people, will be hated exactly like our master was Christ himself. Did you see people, that people came to listen? Which people? Those with good dispositions. But a lot of them didn't like it because they sensed that he was speaking against them to do with their sins. People love darkness. They don't like light. Number three we're up to. St. Nicodemus continues now. Demons also do not know what is to become of a man or what is he to suffer. For man, having been granted free will, if he desires, inclines to the good, but if he does not so desire, he inclines to the bad. 
Hence, it is unclear which he will end up choosing. This is very important. This is evident from the story of Job, which again is the Old Testament. Now, we, some of you are not familiar because you don't read the Bible. That's very disappointing. Some of you come to the talks, you don't even come to the service. That's very disappointing. The proper thing is we worship together beforehand, then we come and we learn. Saint Cosmas, the Greek saint who went around all of Greece and all the islands to preach to people, whose name I took, what he would do is before he would preach, he would always do a service. Paraclesis, holy water, an unction, and then once the people were sanctified, and then he would uh, preach. People today, they just come for to hear the word, to hear the preaching. What for? Preaching. People who just come to learn knowledge are in danger. Without orthodox worship, it's satanic. Now, some of you might say, why would you say that? By saying that, a lot of people may not come again. You're actually saying that if people aren't involved themselves in orthodox worship and they're just reading the word of God or, or, read, or reading books or things like that, that that's demonic. Well, I'm not here for popularity. I'm not here for numbers. When I die, I will give word. And the word that I will give will be, did you teach the people? Or will I be said... No, you didn't teach the people because you're only interested in numbers. You wanted to be popular. You wanted people to like you. I know there's a priest overseas that admitted to me, actually said, I don't say much to people. Why? Because I don't like when they don't like me. So, we need to read the Bible and we need to do, of course, Orthodox worship. I encourage people, there are some people that can't come, I understand that. There are legitimate reasons. But come to the service beforehand. It's important. And go to the liturgy in the morning. This is evident from the story of Job. For the devil could not know Job's end. He strove earnest to make Job bla uh, blaspheme against God and in that way for him to be punished by God. But God, Job, since he gladly endured his trials and sufferings, was crowned all the more. This is important. Some of you don't know. Job was a righteous person, a very rich person. Someone's making noises. Um, he was yeah, very rich. And the, and the devil asked permission from God and said, let me tempt him because God said to him, have you noticed my servant Job? And the devil answered the God and said, yes, but obviously he loves you. And obviously he worships you because you've given him everything. But take away what he's got and he'll curse you to your face. And God said to the devil, you have permission, but don't harm him. So the devil destroyed the family. I think the, the, all his children passed, died. He lost his animals, etc., etc. And then I think, I can't remember probably, but basically Job said God gives, God takes away. He didn't blaspheme. He didn't say to God, I curse you because you took away all, my, all these good things. And then the devil said to God, well, if that's the case, that's because he's healthy. Let him get sick and afflicted and he'll curse you to your face. And God said to the devil, yes, you may afflict him, make him sick. Yes, you're allowed, but do not kill him. And Job got sick. His wife said to him, 
Why don't you curse God? Look, at, look what's happening to you. And Job did not do that. He took his, his, um, his, um, his, um, all that afflictions and still glorified God, thanking God. Now, because of that, Job was crowned all the more, and later on God gave him children again and things like that. The question here is, why would the devil tempt him knowing that he's going to not blaspheme and he's going to receive more crowns from God? And the answer is, well, let's see what John, 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 John Christum says. Exact words. The devil did not know what the outcome of Job's struggles would be. For had he known, he would not have attacked him so as not to bring down worse shame upon himself. The devil was ridiculed, was embarrassed, because all oh, but he did, and Job still did not curse God. And it says it clearly here. The devil does not know how a person is to incline how he's going to be inclined. Will he choose good? Will he choose evil? Because every human being has free will. Unlike what the stars say. Every human being has free will. So, for example, a person who's not has not really come close to God picks and, and a person that say is on drugs, he could be leading a very bad life. Uh, uh, in the you know in the nightclubs whatever, and one day he thinks I'm going to read the Bible. Now people would say, well, why would the devil care about him? He's going to read the Bible, but well, he's he's out of it. But that person can get tempted and attacked to stop reading the Bible. Why would the devil go to that much trouble if he's a drugo? Because the devil doesn't know that if that person reads the Bible, whether he's going to reject it or whether he's going to follow it and repent and change his life. The devil does not know how a person will incline. And because of that, he's scared of everyone, just anything, just pick up a spiritual book. Say, someone, say you give someone a spiritual book, Elder Paisios, and say, would you like this book? And the person opens up, uh, you know, they, and then the demons become unsettled. Then they cause trouble to the person in the mind, with people, with family. All these iskushenias, as the Russians say, all these temptations, pirazmi, happen. Pirazmi, I the word is. Not to read the book, not to go to church. Why? Because he's scared. However, he's also a blind tool. He's got so much hate, he's got so much mania that he attacks the person, even attacked Christ. Right up to the time that he was on the cross. And yet, he's such an idiot, he didn't know. that at, He didn't know which way Christ was to incline. And that's why he still tempted him right to the end. The same with the saints. They're tempted. A person could be leading a holy life 
and, and right to the end of the person's life, he's still going for it, still attacking the person. Why? Because he's hoping that he can make that person blaspheme God, deny God, fall into deception, etc. St. Nicodemus continues, For this reason God, wishing to show that astrologers and demons do not know the future, reproaches and in some sense ridicules Babylon, which placed its hope in astrologers and demons, saying in the book of Isaiah. We're going to the next section now. When people come to me or ring up or ask questions and they say, oh, I feel these temptations, and I go, I go, that's okay. They go, how can you say that? How can you say it's okay? I just feel there's all these problems that I've got. Well, firstly, a lot of times you don't know. Is the, problem, is the problem just mental or is it demonic? So it's hard to, to work it out. I say to the person, firstly, calm down. But how can I calm down when I'm seeing all these bad dreams, when I'm being this and that, whatever? I, say, I said, the, it doesn't matter whether it's whatever. You start leading your spiritual life. You incline towards the good. Let the demons do their job. And let God and his saints and angels do theirs. St. Anthony the Great says, if it wasn't for the demons, no one would be saved. Part of God's plan for us to be saved is that simultaneously that there are we struggle, we ask God's help, we receive all the help from God, the angels, the saints, etc. And at the same time, the demon does his job, the demons. That's important. When people come to me and say that they want a life free of all demonic temptations, they don't know what they're talking about. The more he attacks us, the more we become closer with God because the more we run to him, like a child. See, a child is with their mother or father there. And as soon as the child moves away, it becomes scared and runs back to the parent for, for, for safety. That's the same with us. When we move away from God, we, 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 are, we, we attack, we are... Um, uh, we go through problems, and then this makes us turn back to God. I hope I've explained that. So we'll just make sure you understand that. The devil does not know which way a person's going to incline. He finds everyone a threat. Now we go on to this thing here where it says there that uh, St. Nicodemus says, For this reason, God wishing to show that astrologers and demons do not know the future, reproaches and in some sense ridicules Babylon, which placed its hope in astrologers and demons in the book of Isaiah. Now, here, St. Nicodemus is saying that God mocks the magicians and the astrologers. He mocks the Babylonians there who believed in these things. And I will read part of that part in the book um, it's Isaiah. Chapter 47, line 9 to 13. It is, this is what it says here. But these two things shall come to you in a moment, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon you in their fullness because of the multitude of your sorceries. God is saying, because you 
go and believe in these sorceries, then these bad things are going to happen to you. For the great abundance of your enchantments, not spells and things, therefore evil shall come upon you. You shall not know from, from where it arises, and trouble shall fall upon you. You will not be able to put it off, and a catastrophe you cannot foresee will suddenly come upon you. See, it makes fun. A catastrophe that you won't foresee, even though you think that you can foresee, will come upon you. Keep on then with your magic spells. God's saying, keep on, keep on doing them. That's, you think they're going to work? Let's see. And with your many sorceries in which you have laboured from your youth, perhaps you will succeed, perhaps you will prevail. Making fun, in other words. Is it going to work? Are you going to know when these troubles are going to come upon you with your sorceries and things? All the counsels you have received has only worn you out. You go to your astrologers, you go to all these people and you say to them and ask them for help. When will these catastrophes occur, whatever? But they, you're worn out, you're tired because they don't tell you anything. Let your astrologers come forward. These stargazers, those who observe the stars, who make predictions month by month, let them save you from what is coming upon you. Very stern, very stern words. And yes... God, not that he's uh, one that has passion when he mocks, but he mocks in a way which have without passion because God doesn't have sarcasm and things like that. He has no passion. What he does, he does is teaching people to help them. And even the saints who are full of the Holy Spirit would use that type of sarcasm or some type of mockery at times like when they accused St. Athanasius of all these ridiculous things, St. Athanasius the Great, and they were saying that he, he um, used the, the hand, if I remember right, the hand of someone for magic. They used to accuse him that he, that he was into sorcery, and then he brought to the synod the man with the hand, he goes, what, you know, he was making fun of them. The hands here and things like that. Now, St. Nicodemus, he speaks about the Oracle of Delphi. So therefore, we have to stop his writings for a minute and, and we're going to look at what is the oracle at Delphi because St. Nicodemus, St. John Christum often quote the oracle at Delphi. And to, 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 to be truthful, I didn't even know myself. I knew it was some type of pagan thing that people used to go there to get advice, but I didn't understand it properly. So I've done a bit of research and, it's, and we need to know to understand the next section, right? He makes a detailed reference to the Oracle of Delphi in order to explain the topic of magic in more detail. So we have to really understand this. Um, Delphi is a place in Greece which in ancient times had a temple dedicated to Apollo. The, the Pythia, I think that's how you say it, was the priestess at the temple who acted as a medium and mumbled incomprehensible words which were then interpreted by the pagan priests. So she would be there, she'd go on like a crazy person, and then they would interpret. The ancient people of the Mediterranean had such faith in the Pythia's view of the future that no major decision was made without consulting the oracle of Delphi first. The people today who will not make major decisions just to go and speak to the Ma or the Maisa, to, the, to these magicians. The, the coffee granules will determine your, what you're going to do. If you drink instant, there are no coffee granules left. So we go on and we say, Greek and foreign dignitaries, heads of states, 
and common folk made the pilgrimage to the Delphi sanctuary and paid great sums for the Pythia's oracles, for what she's got to say. Since the sanctuary only served the public a few days over nine months out of the year, great sums were paid by the more affluent ones, people that had more money, in order to bypass the long line of pilgrims. I never knew a lot of this. I didn't know they were that crazy, but anyway. Saint, now, let's, now that we've got an idea of this, let's see what St. Nicodemus writes. Who does not admit that all Christian men and all Christian women who practice divination and magic drive out the grace of God and the Holy Spirit from their hearts and place therein unclean spirits and demons? So those who practice these things, they lose God's grace. Who would deny that all wizards and witches are separated from Christ and entrusted themselves to demons and subsequently, through the aid and activity of demons, say and do satanic and bizarre things? When a person is involved, don't look at the old Bewitched and all these shows that are on TV and that show medium with some woman there who was a shed duck. She was a, a nice woman that used to help people solve crimes, that she used to speak to the dead. She was blonde too, I think. I don't know why all the... Oh, that's why I said it as well for a joke. The Greek um, um, magicians, they're always bleached blonde too for some reason. I don't know why. And they wear a lot of um, jewellery and makeup. So when they, work, when they walk, you think it's Santa's reindeers coming towards you. <laughs> Do you want to be assured of this? Says... Um, Saint Nicodemus, read chapter 6 of the Acts of the Holy Apostles and there you will find that maidservant who had the spirit of Python. We're going to come to that later on. Chapter 16 of the Acts of the Apostles talks about a person who used to do that, but that's later. What was the spirit of Python? In the temple of Apollo, the false god of the pagan Greeks, there was a woman called Pythia whose name is derived from the Greek word pithome, which means to inquire. Since she was asked by those who came seeking oracles and divinations, prophecies, revelations, advice, predictions, people used to go for those things, just in the same way when you go to the people today. Whether you go to Angela the Greek, the stargazer there, or whether you go to a Natasha or some Lubitsa, these magicians, etc., they're all the same. Now, I'm going to explain to you what is, well, no, the saints can explain what is a pythia, and you're going to get sick. This woman, then, when she was about to divine, when she was about to go into a trance and then start to speak, whatever, sat on a three-legged stool. Next, she would open her legs and an unclean spirit would enter her from beneath and fill her with demonic ecstasy of possession. In this state, she would let her hair out and she would foam at the mouth and becoming hysterical or crazy, would, would, would prophesy. So this is what people used to go to back in those days. And you go, oh no, but the magicians today, they're not like that. They don't, they don't do those things. They don't go into trances and become hysterical. People don't do that. People are sophisticated today. When people go to concerts 
and watch people on there becoming possessed. Because they, they themselves admit that when they perform, they say something comes in them and they're able to do what they do. Whether they're sexual, whether they're going crazy, whether they're foaming at the mouth and they're singing those songs, people are there by the hundreds of thousands listening to them let out all this rubbish and people follow them, sing their songs, follow them, follow their advice. They lead their lives according to their songs. Those people are like Pythias. And they are the, the ones that used to bite um, chicken heads and others that were doing sexual things there, but they were like possessed. Possessed people. And people listen to that. So don't think, oh, God, oh, that was then. That People don't do that now. Millions of people are watching those, those things on vampires. The people drinking blood, and they love it. The young women, the young girls love the actors. Anyway, let's see how St John Chrysostom explains it. This Pythoness then is said, is said, being a female, to sit at times upon the tripod of Apollo with a leg on each side. And thus the evil spirit, rising from beneath and entering her through her genital organs, fills the woman with madness, and she, with dishevelled hair, begins to rave as one who is dr like a drunk person, and to foam at the mouth, and thus, ecstatic with frenzy, to speak the words of her delirium. That's the way St. John Chrysostom described the, uh, the, the uh, Pythoness. Now, if I said that, they go, why is a priest talking about those things? St. John Chrysostom, when he said these things, these are in his sermons in Constantinople in front of thousands of people. St. John Chrysostom didn't shy away. St. John Chrysostom will talk about sexual matters and whatever he had to speak about to teach people. It seems like today you can, all these things are mentioned in newspapers, periodicals, they're everywhere on billboards, but we're not allowed to speak about it in the church. Why aren't we allowed to speak about it in the church? Because the devil doesn't want people to be educated in the truth. St. Nicodemus writes that the Holy Fathers say that the demons do have foreknowledge of many things, mostly of natural phenomena. Now we're getting a little bit complicated because before St. Nicodemus said that the demons do not have foreknowledge. Now he says they do have foreknowledge of many things, mostly of natural phenomena. What does that mean? They obtain their knowledge of these things from the principles and laws of nature, just as many human beings do, especially academics, scientists, and that, who foreknow and predict much things. For example, there's a storm coming, say the meteorologists. Are they mediums? No. From their science, they can tell us what's coming. From the natural laws that, of, of what exists. Therefore, 
demons do have some knowledge of things, but they are mostly of natural phenomena. However, God alone, as the creator of hearts, has precise knowledge of matters of choice and of things that exist in the depths of man's heart. As Solomon says, you alone know every human heart. The devil cannot know. He can maybe work out some things from nature and predict things, just like a scientist can, so what's here. However, the devil does not know what's in the person's heart, how the person's going to incline, like I said before. Only God knows the depths of the human heart. The devil can figure out, to some extent, from the movements of the body, what is in the person's soul, mind and heart. So, again, this is important. So we just said that the devil has no foreknowledge, but yet he can work things out from, from nature. Fair enough. Then, he's, then he says, only God knows what's in the heart. Now St. Nicodemus is saying that the devil can figure out to some extent from the movements of the body what is in the person's soul. St. Isidore the Pelicion, I don't know how to say that, writes, quote, The devil does not know what's in our minds, for this is a property of divine power alone, which alone formed our hearts. He does, however, work out the inclination of the soul from the movements of the body. When you go to these mediums, they watch how you behave. So, for example, they'll throw up some ideas. Yes, your father... Uh, mother, they just throw up until they notice that you twitch. So then they understand, okay, this person wants to know about a girlfriend or about someone like that. So they, they what's called, they observe movements. We do that. If a person stands in front of you and the person's clenching their fist, you don't have to be a medium to know that you might get your face smashed in. <laughs> right? So... That's not a medium. That's obvious. That could happen. If a person speaking to you, if I'm speaking to this gentleman here, and as I'm speaking, I'm speaking this way, but looking at him, that means that I don't, I'm not favourable towards him. So I'm speaking like that sideways. We know that. There's, there's a whole art which is called um, observing the twitching of eyes, twitch, the, how much the, the eyes... Um, move up and down, mouth, if your mouth goes like that, it means this. They, they've got all these things. It's, uh, it's actually an, a science. Body language. Body language. I couldn't think of the word. Body language. So people who practice this, are they mediums? No. It's a science. However, the demons can also have their own body language. And from that body language and from their experience, they sometimes can guess what is in the person, what the person's thinking or inclined to. Not the depths of the, of, the, of the heart, but some type of little superficial things. However, even in the case of natural phenomena and matters of choice, of which demons seem to have foreknowledge, whatever they do foreknow is uncertain, hard to make out, unclear and indirect. So, even if they do try and guess something about nature... Sometimes they might a little bit there, for that, but a lot of times it's not even clear what they're trying to say. And the same when they're trying to work out a person's soul. They might make up some things there, a little bit true, 
mixed with falsehood, not clear, and things like that. For this reason, the idol of Apollo was called Loxias, even by pagan Greeks. We already heard about that, the Oracle of Delphi there, at Delphi. Now we can understand that the Greeks used to call him, or whatever that thing they had there, they used to call, they used to say Loxias, which in Greek means someone who's not direct, but vague and ambiguous. Because when they would go to get some information, it was all like, uh, uh, um, wasn't direct. You have to try and interpret. So the, the, this woman would go like a possessed person, well, she was possessed. Then the priest would interpret what the possessed person's saying. Then you've got to interpret what the priest is saying. And at the end, it's a madhouse. So that's why the Greeks used to say loxias, which I think is also a Greek word for like madness or something. So for all the revelations and prophecies that it told were ambiguous like a crab. Because crabs were well known for walking sidewards and hence diagonal. Crabs don't walk forward. They walk sidewards, so you never know which way they're walking. And that's the same as when these oracles spoke. What they said was never direct. The revelations and prophecies that, that the oracle of Adelphi, whatever they said, could be understood in that way or that way and with one meaning or another. Now, there's a very good example in history of one, of one of these things. Among the most famous examples of such ambiguity, which means vagueness, not clear, is the following. The Oracle of Delphi, when asked by King Croesus of Lydia, it's a, this is historical, about the outcome of a war that he was planning against Kyros, king of the Persians, responded. So this king went to the Oracle of Delphi to ask there, what's going to be the outcome of the war that he was going to do with the king of Persia. So th this is what the oracle of Adelphi said through the possessed woman that was interpreted by the priest. When Croesus crosses the river Hellas, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, some of these names could be wrong, I don't know much about these things. When Croesus crosses the river Hellas, he will destroy a mighty empire. End quote. That's what, that was the prophecy. So this person was very happy with that, that he's going to get victory. The oracle, of course, failed to indicate precisely which empire would be destroyed. In fact, it turned out that King Croesus suffered a crushing defeat at the hands of Kyrus, the king of Persia, and therefore, thereby, the empire that the, that the prophecy, that, that the oracle said was to be destroyed, was his own. He destroyed his own empire. Now some of you say, oh, we're, we're smarter than King Christus, whatever his name is. But yet, you've got no idea how many people go to these places and ask these questions, and most of the stuff I said is rubbish, but they have such faith. And the money that they give as soon as they come to the church, oh, I got a what's this? A dollar for a candle? It's like they start to shake. One dollar for a candle. Then you ask them, did you when you went to the to the magician? How much used to pay there? Thousand, two thousand, three thousand, no problem. I said you should have just given her your credit card. 
and give you just full access. Some people sell their houses. Faith. So, it goes without saying that demons in most cases know the truth. However, they are reluctant to admit it voluntarily and do so only out of great necessity. For since they are by nature dishonest and deceitful, it follows that they always love falsehood and hate truth, as the Lord says. Now, again, this can sound confusing. St. Nicholas is saying that the demons at times do know the truth. But because they are liars, because they hate the truth, because they are dishonest, they don't even want to tell the truth, even when they know the truth. That's how much they despise the word truth. And we read this where Christ says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. We have to remember the demons are liars. But I want to say something here. I just thought of it as I was preparing these notes. The demons do say the truth of certain things. And they say it and they, with, 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 with such passion. They do reveal the truth of something. They reveal this, that they hate God, they hate his creation, they hate obviously man, they hate the church, they hate the priests, they hate the, sa the saints, they want all to, everyone to go to hell. They reveal people's sins that they've done. So there are some truths that they say. The possessed people express this. So... Let those Christians now come forward who go to diviners, in other words, that go to clairvoyants, psychics, mediums. Is this ready now? Okay. What we'll have is a couple of minute break for, um, for that and we'll return in a few minutes, those who want to stay. Those who don't want to stay, don't forget there's some pamphlets here and I'm also giving out at the end an acathist to to Maravaris for those who have fallen asleep outside the Orthodox Church. So that's going to be given out. If you're leaving now, come and get one. I'll give it to you now. One more hour and we're finished. But I have some, some people have said that it's like a few minutes. St. Nicodemus continues on when he writes, so let those Christians now come forward who go to diviners, in other words, clairvoyants, psychics, mediums, fortune tellers, all those things, seeking to learn what will happen to them to locate treasure or other items that they have lost or to find a solution to a dream. How long will you believe in Christ and also in diviners and demons? As I said earlier on. So Nicodemus wrote this a few hundred years ago. Even in the times of the Jews, same thing was happening. People who believed in the true God, but at the same time practiced these things. Today, it's the same problem. People who go to church and at the same time visit these places. If you believe in Christ, that he alone as the God that he is, knows all things hidden and all things to come, and reveals these to others, as we have said, 
Why do you not run to Christ, asking him to reveal those things that you seek, but run instead to diviners and demons? I like the way that St. Nicodemus, was, when he says about the diviners, meaning all those clairvoyants, he says he calls them and the demons. He puts them two together. Because when you go to them, as we've said before, you're really going to the demons. If, on the other hand, you believe in diviners and demons, that they have knowledge of hidden things and know the truth, why do you call yourselves Christians and worship Christ for nothing? I think that's very well said. Plain, blunt, truthful, soul-saving. Not, as some people say, oh, that's offensive. What's offensive is when these things aren't said. When we see 90% or more of Orthodox Christians, a lot of them, who are visiting these places or read astrology or read books on interpretation of dreams or practice some other demonic type of occult practice and nothing is being said, that is what's offensive. Do you know, as the Lord and St. Paul both say, that you can never serve two masters at the same time? Christ and Belial. Is that a, I don't know how to say that word. Does anyone know? Belial or Belial? Belial, thank you. Christ and Belial. Truth and falsehood. God and the devil. You can't serve both. Oh, but I just read the little bit of the astrology. You can't serve both. But I, I saw a dream last night and, I'm, and I just think that maybe this is going to happen. You can't serve both. But if you say that you do not believe in diviners and demons, you lie, for if you do not believe in them, why do you go to them and ask questions? The mere fact that you approach them and ask them questions shows that you believe in them and are their servants. And then he quotes St John Chrysostom, quote, for what reason do you run to them? Why do you ask them questions? As soon as you approach them and question them, you make yourselves their slaves, for you inquire of them as one who believes. Now, some of you might say, oh, well, what happens if someone just goes out of curiosity? Some people might go for a bit of a stir, make fun, just to see if they know anything, and that's not the same. And St. Nicodemus and St. John Chrysostom say it clearly, that as soon as you go to those places you become their slave if in turn saint nicodemus continues you say that you are only trying to see whether demons speak the truth even this experiment shows that you are not sure that the demons lie but are still in doubt about the matter where else would you go in other words saying i want to see if he's going to say the truth but christians say the following they say no truth that's how an Orthodox Christian has to believe. Everything they say is lies. We don't say, oh, I want to check just to see what they know. As soon as we do that, we are worshipping the devil. We are denying our baptism vows. St. John Chrysostom confirms, even to test whether a demon is speaking the truth, 
is not the characteristic of one who's convinced that the devil lies, but of one who's still in doubt. Oh, I want to just check it out to see what they know. So even if you go as a joke or to tease them or out of curiosity or to catch them out or whatever, even if you go and say, oh, I'm going to prove that they don't say the truth, even, even that is dangerous and it's still wrong because if they do say a truth, they've got you. St. Nicodemus continues, stop, stop. Who are, the, who are these who are now appear? I love the way he writes. So he says, stop, stop. Who are these who, are, who now appear? I see many men sent by the king of Samaria, who since he had fallen through the window of a chamber high up in his palace and was sick, sent men to inquire of the prophetess who was at Ekron where, whether he would recover from the sickness. Now, again, New, New Old Testament the king of Samaria there, that he, f- he fell from a high window in his palace and he was very sick. So he sent some men and said, go to the prophetess, who was at Ekron, whatever that is, whether he would recover from his sickness. I behold, says St. Nicodemus, the prophet Elias, who at God's command descends from the mountain and meets these men sent by the king. So God uh, uh, enlightened prophet Elias and said, come down from the mountain, wherever he was, go to these men who have been sent by the king to the magician, to the prophetess. And what does he say to them? Since the king, this is what, this is what, since the king has despised the true God as though there were no God in Israel for him to ask, has sent men to inquire of the false prophetess. For this reason, God has decided that he would not rise from his bed, but should die an evil death thereon. So, God enlightens the prophet Elias to go to those men and say to them the following, that God says to you, God gives the following message to to you to go back to the king, that because the king despised the true God, And as if there was no God to go and, in, and, and ask for help, but instead runs to these, to these false prophetess. For this reason, God has decided that he would not rise from the bed, but should die an evil death thereon. thereon. So let's have a look at the exact quote, which comes from the book of Kings, 4 Kings, chapter 1, 3 to 4, and line 17. I just did a little bit of it, which says here... But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go and meet the messages of Ahaziah, the king of Samaria, and say to them, It is because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of, of Baal Zebub. There's all these words. Gods of Ek- of God of Ekron. This is not true, says the Lord. And you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah spoke. Why? Because all he he did was he sent some men and said, you go to the Mayusa there, to the medium, and go and ask her, am I going to get better? That's all he did. And and that was the, the punishment pronounced on him by God through the prophet Elijah. So Nicodemus continues, and he says, ach, like Greek, like a word, like saying, like in a frustration, ach, where is there now another prophet Elias to see 
how Christians send people to diviners to ask whether they'll recover from this illness and say to them, quote, O Christians, since you despise Christ and his saints and go to diviners, thus says the Lord, you will not get up from your sickness and since you summon witches to your houses to cast spells over you, you will die an evil and painful death since you go to demons and sorcerers in search of help so that you might be victorious at court and win your case. Thus says the Lord, you will be defeated and will lose your case since you inquire of demons in order to find out what is going to happen to you. Thus says the Lord, you will suffer many catastrophes, many misfortunes and many dangers to the point that you are annihilated and destroyed because you rejected God who has full knowledge of the future and you sought refuge in demons who are darkened and have no foreknowledge of the future. That's what St. Nicodemus is writing. We need another prophet, Elijah, he says, to come and give that same warning what he gave to the other person, that same what God's words are. And is not true that people rush and bring magicians and these mediums to the houses or go to them? Now, as I said before, some of you might say, no, I'm orthodox, I'm not going to do that. But as I said last couple of talks, some of you weren't here, when the going gets rough, you can be tempted. If your child's dying, or your wife has got cancer, say, and the doctors can't do nothing, and someone comes along and says, there's someone that's down the street or somewhere out that, 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 that she's helped people. That she's helped people. She can heal. People forget about the next life. If the woman dies, she goes to heaven. What's the difference? She's better. She gets better. What, to live a few more years and then go to hell? And that's why this, the, the, the saints speak so harshly about this matter. And as I've said, and I'll say it again and again and again, this problem is very, it's a very big problem today amongst Orthodox Christians. And I ask the question, why are the churches silent on this matter, apart from some? Why? See, the priest has a mouth. The mouth has to speak. It has to speak, warn people, help people for the salvation of souls. If a priest understands what is the salvation of the soul, if the priest is struggling for his own salvation, then he knows that he has to also help others to be saved. If the priest is not warning people, educating people, helping people to understand this, then something's wrong. And what's wrong is that there's something on their mouth which shuts their mouth. This something is black and doesn't allow them to speak because 
when a priest does do his duty, as we heard in the life of St. Demetrius Gagastathis, for example, that was one of the books about Greek saints, and all the saints, as soon as someone, a priest does his duty and speaks, as we see from the example of Christ, all hell opens up and begins all these problems. We, we, we did five talks on St. Nectarius, nearly 20 hours worth. And in there we saw what he went through. Why? Because he spoke the word of God. And what happened? Became one of the greatest saints of the Greek church and of the universal church. There are more churches dedicated to that saint than any other church all over the world. This person who was ridiculed, slandered, hated. He wasn't even allowed to be a bishop and he just took a job as a preacher. So today, priests who do warn people could lose their parishes. Their families can get attacked. They get attacked. That is why a priest needs to be close to the services of the church, serving often, and leading a spiritual life to the best of his ability. It's like when you get married. People don't understand this. Same thing. When a person gets married and they go to the Orthodox Church to be blessed, that agitates the evil spirits because this union is blessed by God. And he doesn't like that. He wants that to be split apart. So he attacks that couple. If that couple are not leading a spiritual life, fasting, praying, confessing often, Holy Communion, spiritual struggle, then they're finished. They need to be spiritual. If I see, for example, someone come to me and says, I want to get married, and they're not leading a spiritual life, I say to them, don't do it. Because you will destroy yourself, you'll destroy your spouse, and you'll destroy your children. People today need to be spiritually strong to enter into the marriage. People need to be spiritual strong if they want to be a priest in parishes to help people. Saint Nicodemus says, do you know why demons sometimes foretell certain things that, and they come to pass? Now we're going on to here that, as we said before, sometimes they say things that, and they're correct. Let's have a look here. Because you, number one, he gives two reasons. Because you do not believe wholeheartedly in the Lord, but believe in demons, on account of your unbelief, God permits those things to occur which they foretell to you. Now, this is quite strong, this. He's saying because you have belief in them, God allows these mediums, etc., to get things right as a punishment 
that God says here, because of your unbelief, God permits those things to occur which they foretell to you. Why, St. John Chrysostom adds on to this, why then, you ask, do all these things which the magicians say take place? So John Chrysostom saying to the people, you ask why these things take place. Do you know why demons sometimes foretell certain things that, and they come to pass, St. John Chrysostom says, to the, to, as he's preaching? Because you do not believe wholeheartedly, in other words, without doubt, in the Lord, but believe in demons on account of your unbelief, God permits those things to occur which they foretell to you. It is because you believe it if it does happen. In other words, not that the demons know the future, but they'll say they're rubbish, and then God will allow some of those things to occur because the person, to, to make the person fall into deception because they chose to go to them. That's very harsh. And let's have a look. The second reason that um, the demons can foretell certain things, apart from, we said, the natural phenomena and also studying the person and things like that, because you are slaves to the devil, loving his diabolical works and passions, and he has you, for this reason, under his control, whatever he wishes to foretell to you, he does through deeds. This is... Uh, I had to read this about 50 times to understand it. Whatever he wishes to foretell to you, he does through deeds. And St. John Chrysostom explains and says, And if, of course, it takes place, then he has taken you captive and is master of your life. He then arranges your life as he desires it. Now, St. John Chrysostom... Uh, so let me just read a bit more and then I'll explain what that means. It's two very important things. He then arranges your life as he desires it. St. Nicodemus continues, just as a thief, when he enslaves a man, if he tells him that he's going to live or to die, brings it about, for if that thief wants to spare his life or to kill him, he can do either, according to St. John Chrysostom. Now, St. John Chrysostom uses an example which I think will help people understand. He goes on to say, tell me, if a robber captain has under his power and authority the son of a king who really wanted to be with the robber, so the king's son left his father left the palace and of his own will went into the forest wherever this robber person was and says to him, I submit myself to you. I want to be with you. I want to be part of your gang or whatever. Will the robber be able to say to him whether he dies or lives? He certainly will, but what of it? Not because he foreknows the future, but because he has the power both to destroy the son and to save him, since the son willfully made the robber his master. In other words, the robber has in his power the, that man's future. He can kill him or he can let him live. And what St. John Christmas saying, does that mean he knows the future? No, he has control of the future. Unfortunately, most people of the world have already surrendered themselves to the devil. So that example of the palace is like we as Orthodox Christians live in God within the church. We leave the king, meaning God, and we join ourselves to the demons. We want to be with them. We want to, we want to become their slaves. 
then they can control our future. Just like this robber could control, okay, I predict the future, you're going to die. I predict the future, you're going to live. But he's not predicting the future. He is determining the future. For example, when we allow ourselves these to become like this, when we're not leading a spiritual life, the devil arranges things. For example, he can arrange for us to meet someone. He can arrange for you to think about someone, all of a sudden they ring on the door or they ring the phone. You can go to a medium and the medium can say to you, you're going to go on a trip. Because that person went to the magician and they become slaves of the devil, then the devil can make that person go on a trip. Then the person goes, oh, she was right, I went on a trip. But not that he foresaw that, he worked it out for you to go on your trip. Or you might say, you're going to lose some money. Well, the demons can make someone come and rob you. Or you go to the magician, they say, you're going to have a car accident. He can organise the car accident. You, uh, he might say, um, oh, one of your family members are going to get hurt. He can organise that because you've given power to him. Or that thing that we said before, that um, um, he, once we, we, we make ourselves his slaves, his slave, then he has the power to take control of our life. Hence, St Nicodemus continues, demons have no power either to predict or do anything to a Christian who has firm faith in the Lord and keeps his commandments. And this too, St John Christopher himself says, and this is a very nice part, St John Chrysostom boldly says, if they, meaning the magicians, have ability to predict the future, bring them to me, a believer. I do not say this to boast of myself, since it is not a matter of boasting when one wants to get rid of these fakers and deceivers. I also am full of sins, says St John Christum, but with respect to these matters, I will not be humble-minded. In other words, I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to speak boldly. By the grace of God, I mock them all. Bring me this magician. If he has any ability to predict the future, let him tell me what will happen to me tomorrow. So Sir John Christum is saying to the people, all these other people, bring them here, these people that you run to, and tell them to tell me my future. Well, he says, if, they have, if he has an ability to predict the future, let him tell me what will happen to me tomorrow. But he will not be able to tell me. Why? Because I am under the, I am under the power of the king. I am under God's authority, in other words. And the magician does not have my submission and loyalty. And because he does not have my submission and loyalty, he can't work out my life as he wants. In other words, he can't say tomorrow you're going to go on a trip because he can't make St John Chrysostom go on a trip because St John Chrysostom is under God's authority and that demons don't have power to make that person go on a trip or to have an accident or to meet someone. Those things don't happen to Christians. I always know when someone's not leading a proper spiritual life, when they talk about this, oh, I was there and then suddenly... This person came and he said this, and another person, I was thinking about that, another person said to me the other day, he goes, he was a bit hopeless about his job in the future, and he said that he prayed. 
he prayed and suddenly someone came where he was somewhere, someone that he knew, came to him and said, oh, you know what, I've got certain, you know, like a certain uh, job that you might be interested in. And when this person told me this, and I said, I don't know why, but how come every time you pray, everything happens to you? I don't understand that. And it makes me sick. It's not right. And you know, it's people who are not leading spiritual lives. Like that person rarely would even, open, would even read a Bible. The person lies continually. The person does not, does not struggle. The person rarely prays. But all of a sudden, this person that never hardly prays, doesn't do anything, all of a sudden he does a little prayer and bang, Mary Poppins is there. <laughs> there, there. All of a sudden there she is with her umbrella. Why? Because that person is under the authority, to some extent, of the demons because they're not leading a spiritual life. And the thing was, it was a very good trick because that woman was offering him something which would then affect his family and put pressure on the family and the wife, etc., etc. It was all these bad things. I said, that's not right. Spiritual people don't have these coincidences or these things that happen to them. Falling trees. And other, and other things. That's people who are far away from God. Icons smiling. Icons that are sad. Smells. So please don't come up to him and say that you know, I was there and I was thinking and I was praying and then suddenly so-and-so rang me up and had the answer to my problem. Those things are not for Orthodox Christians. These coincidences and stupidities. Just do the commandments. St. Nicholas continues, Thus, from the words of St. John Christum, we draw the following general conclusions. That demons do not, strictly speaking, have foreknowledge of anything... It is from the unbelief of, of, of Christians in God, their faith in demons, by going to them in other words, and their evil way of life, that the demons take occasion of such foreknowledge as they have. So we go back to it now that we understand, and it says, when a person gives themselves to the demons, he then the demons then arrange your life as he desires it. And that's why... People believe that this is all from God. St. John Christum says, When a person becomes used to believing in sorcery, it is of great help to those fakers and deceivers. This is due to the fact that nobody pays attention to the failures, which is true, but whatever, what everybody notices are the successes. So these mediums on television, they just get so many things wrong. So many, most of the stuff they say is wrong. But yet, as soon as they say one thing right, they're happy and they're saying, look at this, he worked that out. 
The other 99 things I said that were wrong doesn't interest them. Just what's, what's right. So when someone goes to a coffee person to get their coffee read, and the person can say so much rubbish. And they might say one thing right. And the person just falls on their face and worships them. And out comes the credit cards and the checkbooks. St John Chrysostom also says, if he tells you something bad will happen to you, and then advises you to take a certain action in order to avoid this misfortune, you should not worship his idols because of it. Furthermore, this is not the only extent of the foolishness. What is more, if your fortune is foretold, you cannot gain anything except great sorrow. Greater sorrow. This is because the event they foretell, foretell to someone may not even take place. So you might go to these idiots and then they say to you, something bad's going to happen, which 99%, if not 100%, probably won't happen. But nevertheless, a person believes it. And what happens is that they live their life in sorrow, in fear. The sorrow and fear of it taken place, that what they supposedly foretell, however, becomes rooted in you to destroy you. And I add, not St John Christum, but obviously it plays on your mind. The demons can tempt you to return to find out more or to try and stop this misfortune happening. The people's lives are all centred around that or because someone said to them, oh, this, this is going to happen to you. I remember one talk I did on this topic. A woman came up to me, and, and I couldn't hear her probably, but anyway, she said, from what I understood, she said to me that she was scared to have another child because the, she, someone said to her, must have been a medium, someone said, you're only going to have two. So she was scared to have a third one um, because something might happen. If this, so it says here, If this were beneficial to us, then God would not be cruel to us. He's trying to say here, that if it's necessary for us to know this future, then God, why would God keep it from us? But the fact he doesn't want us to know these future things is because that's beneficial for our soul. But people run to find out these things. We don't need to know our future. So let me say it again, as St. John Christmas, if it was beneficial for you to know, then God would not be cruel not to let you know. St. Nicodemus writes, For this reason, therefore, my brother Christians, have firm faith in the Lord. Do not give any credibility to the foreknowledge of demons. In other words, don't trust them. Do not run to them and to reveal to you treasures or other items which you have lost, or, in other words, to reveal to you the future, whatever. St. Nicodemus now gives us three important points of why Christians should not listen to magicians and the demons. Number one, this is um, interesting as well, because many seeking treasures from demons through sorcerers have in some cases lost their minds and become insane, and other cases have lost their very lives. And then he quotes an example from a life of a preacher, Procopius of Peloponnese in the late 18th century, a gifted preacher, well known for his knowledge, 
that he gave an example during his preaching of a person who went to um, these magicians and I to seek out some hidden treasure in his father's house. His father hid some treasure somewhere. So they went to, um, he went to these magicians to find out where's the treasure, the money, whatever. So and he, what happened was he was so terrified by a fearful sight which he beheld that he died after three days. By going to them, he opened his soul up and then he started to see the demons there and um, he died from fright. Like that, like, like that, that's what happens to people. When you go to these things, you can always tell they start to have dreams, horrible dreams, and also some things happen to them, all these, you know, like things that are not right. So that's why, that's one reason. You can lose yourself, you can lose your mind, you can die. Number two, because the demons are so spiteful, they do not wish to reveal even the treasures of this world to men for their enjoyment. This is affirmed by the most wise and most holy Saint Singletiki, who said that the demons are so spiteful that even if they knew where there was treasures, they wouldn't reveal it to anyone because they do not want the person to... Let me read it here, what she says. It goes, after all, they do not allow men to take even treasures hidden beneath the earth... They don't allow people to find treasures because they're scared that the person might use the money for good, they might glorify God, anything. They don't know how the person's going to incline and they're just spiteful and they don't want anyone to have any joy, nothing. They, don't, they won't reveal it. Number three, because they have no power to give treasure to any individuals unless they are so permitted by God, and you do not suppose, O foolish men, that if it were in the power of demons to give out treasure, they would give them chiefly to sorcerers, their special friends. But we see today that sorcerers and diviners are the poorest people in the world, and that for a penny, a little bread, now they become slaves and servants of others. So these coffee people and all that, they, they might, some of them do charge a bit of money, but still they, well, their lives are cursed. They never, they, they're very, um, they live in old bomb houses. Some of them, of course, are successful, the ones that are con artists, but in general, they are, if they knew so many things, why don't the demons tell them where all this? There's a lot of money buried everywhere around the place. And that's what Saint Nicodemus is saying. They don't, they, they won't reveal it. Either they, they, most, they don't know. If treasures were in the hands of demons, how have they allowed so many kings with their armies and other men at various times to take the gold and silver under which they were worshipped as gods and so many treasures that were concealed in their altars, especially in the very richly endowed temple of Apollo and Delphi? So St. Nicholas was saying there that the, there, there's a lot of gold because people would bring a lot of money to these temples and gold, things like that, and yet... They were, those temples many times were robbed of their gold and silver. And then St. Nicholas is saying, well, if they know, why didn't they forewarn the, the priests there, the pagan priests, that people were going to come and steal their gold and silver? Hence, the St. John Chrysostom says, 
Quote, if indeed they know anything, they should rather speak of their own concerns, how numerous offerings to their idols have been stolen, how so much of their gold has been melted. Why have they not forewarned their pagan priests? Hence, they know nothing. Even for the sake of money, they were not able to tell their pagan priests when their idolatrous temples were being burned and many were perishing with them. Because when these people, when they would get attacked, they would kill those at the, at the temple, the priests, etc. Why do they not provide for their own security? These demons, why don't they provide for their own security of their own temples there where people worship? So Nicodemus writes, Treasures, brothers and sisters, both gold and silver, are in the hand of God, and he gives them to whom he will. As is written from the Old Testament, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, you should practice your trades in a godly manner, and in the work of your hands you will find treasure, both gold and silver. Don't go seeking where there's money. Don't go and work out when the next lottery ticket's going to, how much, you know, to get the thing and go to these magicians and say to them, what's the number? As if they're going to tell you. If they knew the number, they'll do it themselves. Do you ever see any of them winning lottery tickets? No. So, he says here, if you want to become rich, then go work and make money in a godly way. Is it? Is if it's beneficial to your soul, God also gives you treasure and makes you rich without you seeking it, since he commands you not to seek such things, but to seek first his kingdom. But to seek first his kingdom and the good things of this earth and wealth will be added to you without you searching for them. So if you want to get gold and silver, how about spiritual gold and silver? But says he, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And if it's, if it's meant to be for you to, to become rich, then it will happen. If it's meant for someone to leave you money in a will, it will happen. If that's what's meant to be. But the most important thing is first seek the kingdom of heaven. Fix up your soul and then the rest will be granted to you as God wishes. St. Nicodemus writes, if you have lost animals or servants back in those days, do not run to magicians and demons to disclose them to you. No, run to the saints, the servants of God, and beseech them with faith and they will reveal them to you if their disclosure is helpful to the benefit of your soul. So St. Nicodemus is saying here, if you have lost something, run to the saints. Go get the priest to do a malebin, a paraclesis. And if it's beneficial for your soul to find that whatever you're looking for, then it will be so. However, sorry, have recourse in particular to St. Theodore the Recruit, which is celebrated on February the 17th, who received from God this gift of revealing hidden things to an exceptional degree and is for this reason called the Revealer. He's called by the name the Revealer. There's also in the, the, the St. Fanurios, which is Greek for... Uh, to reveal people a lot of times do um, services to him if you wish to learn where other hidden items are run to God the knower of secrets and ask him to reveal to you not what is going to happen to you 
for these things are pointless and insignificant and you should not ask such things of God. This is important. Okay, you've lost something or some whatever. Go to the priest, do a service. If it's meant to be, you'll find it. If not, you won't. That's it. Don't run to them. But, he says here, if you wish to learn where other hidden items are, run to God, the knower of secrets, and ask him to reveal to you not what's going to happen to you. Like I said before, don't go and blaspheme to ask for your future. For these things are pointless and insignificant, and you should not ask such things of God. Rather, seek first that he purify you through his grace and through practical virtues. Above all, and especially ask that he reveal to you what is his good, acceptable and perfect will, so that you may be saved, which is the most excellent, most necessary, most profitable thing for you. Not to know the future. Not to know things that are hidden. Say your grandfather had a, had a nice pot of gold somewhere and then he died before he told you where it is. There's nothing wrong with going to the priest and say, help us to find the gold if it's, if it's meant to be. But you don't go to Matash or the, the, the crystal ball reader. You go to the church. However, that's okay. We've got that. That's why we've got services for that for very reason. We've got services for a lot of things. But what we don't have services for and what's forbidden by the church is this thing about the future. But some saints reveal the future. Yes, because God chose to reveal the future. But that's exceptional. What we should seek is God's will. What we should seek is the kingdom of heaven. That's the thing. What more am I to say? Beware, brothers and sisters, of turning to diviners and demons and do not give any credibility to their words but believe in God alone who knows all things and he will reveal to you what you need to know. This is the advice of St. John Chrysostom. Let us not pay attention to diviners, fortune tellers and frauds, but rather to God who knows all things clearly, who has knowledge of all things, and thus shall we know all that we need to know. I can't hold back. I'm going to say some future things now. Firstly, we're all going to die. Secondly, we're all going to be judged. Thirdly, there's a heaven and there's a hell. There's eternal life, as we know. There's the last judgment. That's the future. So we have some points of the future there. So I just said that on purpose to say, I'm going to go against it. I only did that to get attention. That's, that's what we need to know, that we are going to die and that there's what's called the partial judgment. That's the, that's the partial judgment is when we are, are judged, go for the toll houses, and we are judged partially. We are not given the fullness of hell or the fullness of heaven. And then 
when we, when, our, when we are united to our bodies and we go through the resurrection, then will be the last judgment and there the person will be judged and will receive the fullness of hell or the fullness of heaven depending on their deeds. During, uh, until the last judgment, those souls that have died can be helped with the church's prayers. After the judgment, there's no mercy. Before the judgment, God can still show mercy on those souls in Hades. There's some future for you and for me. Everything else is unnecessary. Whether I'm going to live tomorrow is unnecessary. Whether you're going to have three children or four children or five is unnecessary. Whether you're going to live in that house or go to another house is unnecessary. As soon as we start seeking these things, that's when we start to fall into the traps of the demons and they start to play with us to the condemnation of our souls. St. Nicodemus continues, shall I tell you something still more important? Even if diviners and demons speak the truth, do not believe them at all. Why? Because one, when once you believe them, they find way to mix falsehood with truth and in this way deceive you and destroy you. Thus does the same Chrysostom urge you. Quote from St. John Chrysostom. For this reason I do not believe them, meaning the, position, the magicians and all them, Precisely because it is demons who say it through them. For they deceive their hearers. This is why St. Paul silenced them, even when they spoke the truth, just in case they used, they used this as an opportunity for mixing falsehood with truth and again credibility. For they were, and gain credibility, sorry. And they were saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaims to us the way of salvation. Now this section is the section of in the Acts of the Apostles. And I'm going to read it quickly because St. John Christum speaks about this particular part. It's the part where it says, now it happened as we went to, as we went to pray that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, which in Greek they say the spirit of Python, met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. So when St. Paul and the others went there to this place where they were preaching, and they were, they were preaching the way of salvation. And she was saying, These men are here to preach the way of salvation. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Of course, as we know, that people got upset. Her masters that were making money from her, they got very upset with that. St. John Chrysostom explains all this. He says, Paul's spirit was disturbed by this girl. So he rebuked the spirit of divination and commanded it to come forth. You may ask, what evil were they speaking? What evil was she speaking? Just because the demons claimed through her that these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaims to us the way of salvation, it doesn't mean that they also are his servants. So the demons were saying these men 
are servants of God and they give the way, but they're not, they themselves are saying that, but they themselves aren't servants of God. They hate God. However, since many of the more naive, in other words, the inexperienced and simple-minded, do not always know how to discern what is said by demons, whether what they're saying is true, not true, what's going on. In this way, he tells these demons, you are those who are dishonoured, you are not allowed to speak, be quiet, keep your mouth closed, this preaching is not meant to be done by you, it is the apostles who have this honour, why did you take that which is not yours? Keep silent because you do not have this honour. Christ did exactly the same thing when he rebuked the demons with great force when he said, I know, where the demons said through, this, through the man, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So St. Paul rebuked, why? Because there was fear that the people hearing the truth sprinkled, can sprinkle then, the demons can sprinkle lies. When the apostles started doing miracles, when the apostles started preaching the way of salvation, the people would say, oh, look at that. That girl, that, the, one, the, the, um, the, the one that would, would divine would, would say, she said that. She actually got it correct. And then would say, the other things that she's saying would also be correct. And therefore, the demons would use that opportunity to, make, to, to teach bad things. Now, in Mark, it says, Now there was a certain man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him, like St. Paul did. See? Same, 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 Christ. Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Now, Blessed Theophilact explains this. And he says, But Christ shut the mouth of the possessed man in order to teach us that even if the demons speak the truth, we must restrain them. Now, remember, why, we, why am I talking about this? Because when people go to mediums and things like that, it's the demon speaking. And a footnote in the Blessed Theophilact in the Greek text adds, At the same time, Christ hands down to us the soul-saving teaching that we should never believe the demons, even if they claim that they are speaking the truth. Since the demons spoke in a logical... This person that was in the temple and was saying... Uh, what have we to do with you? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The explanation is that when he said that, listen to this, since the demon spoke in a logical and calm manner and all those present supposed that the word came from the heart of the man and not from the demon, the Lord permitted the demon to throw the man down so that it would be clear that the words were demonic and not spoken by the man. So, not everyone acts like the Pythoness, whatever her name is there. Not everyone acts like her, with froth and going crazy. This particular person who was possessed, the demon from within was speaking in a calm and logical manner. And the people didn't know that it was the demon that was speaking. That's interesting. So it says here, since the demon spoke in a logical and calm manner, 
And all those present suppose that the words came from the heart of the man and not from the demon. The Lord permitted the demon to throw the man down. Christ made the demon convulse the man, made the man to fall down and to show that really he was possessed. And that it was the demon that was saying, uh, you are the Holy One of God. The demon came out of him without harming him. For when the Lord cast him out, the demon did, not, did no harm. But the Lord permitted him to throw the man down for the sake of those present, but allowed no harm to be done, so the power of him who commanded might be revealed. And St. John Chrysostom further explains this. Christ rebuked the demons with great strictness. In this way, he teaches us that we should never believe the demons in anything they say, even if they say something which is true. Let us learn this lesson and never give any credibility whatsoever to a demon, not even if they say something that's true. Let us flee from him and hate him. This is because there is only one way for someone to learn the correct teaching for their salvation. It is not from demons that we learn the correct teaching, but from the Holy Scriptures, from the Holy Fathers from the church. We don't go to mediums. We don't listen to possessed people. We, we read the Bible. We read the fathers. We read the saints. And that's how we learn what is good for our salvation. Don't worry about this future things and all those type of things there. And um, by the way, on dreams, uh, St. Elder Cleopas says, May the ones who believe in dreams and visions easily, without much searching and advice, receive penance, just as the ones who resort to magic and enchantments. That is, may they be stopped from taking the Holy Eucharist for up to seven years. The canons of the church, strictly speaking, uh, penance those who believe in dreams seven years not to commune. Because he says they are equivalent to sorcerers and magicians. So if we look at sea dreams and we interpret them, then we are becoming the same as them, as I said early on, like we are mediums. And the demons play on us and they bring more dreams and more dreams and more dreams and more dreams until they drive us crazy. I think we should end off with this Elder Paisio story. I read it last time. I thought it was excellent and I want to read it again. Elder Paisius relates the following story. A layman had fallen into delusion. A possessed person had told him, you have a cross on your head, go become a preacher. That's why we shouldn't go, we shouldn't look at exorcisms. Well, I'm going to do another talk separate on that whole topic. People go to them and find them entertaining. St. John Christum forbids that because you've got to be careful because they can jump on you. Don't look at them on the internet. People eat chips and have like, having their beer and look at these exorcisms as if they're watching um, a movie or something. It's very dangerous. Anyway, this person was, must have been present at an, at, at, and a possessed person told him, you have a cross on your head, pride, go and become a preacher. And he came to get a blessing. I told him, look, my son, you've got a demon. Straight out. That is, the oldest visitor was possessed by a demon, a condition he fell into after becoming deluded. 
after he believed the possessed person, that he's going to become a preacher, that he's got a cross on his head, things like that, he became deluded, and from that he became possessed. Go to Stavro Nikita Monastery so they can read the exorcisms over you. Well, he got up and left, and he went back into the world and delivered sermons. He was disobedient. Even though he went to an elder, didn't listen. During one of them, during one of his sermons, in front of everybody, the demon took hold of him and he started cursing the Theotokos and blaspheming the things of God. Everyone left frightened. They all ran out. They went to listen to this preacher and at the end ran out in fright. They ended up taking him to a mental hospital. He was humbled, but he also fell into despair and became suicidal since blasphemy is such a serious sin. He got out after that he was guilty and goes, I can't believe I blasphemed the mother of God and things like that. When he came to see me again, I told him God condescended to being blasphemed. God allowed himself to be blasphemed in order to save you and so others would be saved from your example. And that set him straight. So we shouldn't take any notice of those things. I think it's important just to, just to quickly, for the last couple of minutes, I know it's a bit long, so I'm sorry about that, but we might as well. Is it sinful, they asked Elder Cleopatra, for Christians to believe in dreams and visions? And the elder responds, it is a sin to believe in dreams and visions because it is through such things that, demon, that the devils deceive us very easily and throw us into the terrible sin of pride and vanity to the point where a man ends up trusting himself more than the word of God. With, the, with, with this tempting plan, the devil has deceived many Christians and monks, ev eventually throwing them into the pit of perdition. Like people from their dreams and things like that have jumped off cliffs. If, and if, however, someone doubts one's dream or visions, one should confess to one's priest and ask for his advice, and it is through one's spiritual father that God speaks. So that's why it's important. Anything that happens in our lives, it's a suspicious, supernatural type of things, always go and confess it. Even if the priest is not experienced in such things, the fact that you're going to a priest in front of God and saying these things so as to, to protect yourself, God seeing that, seeing that he will protect you. Okay, in the next talk, I had a section on, which I didn't get time to do, about, we already talked about these clairvoyant things and all that, the next section is to do with illnesses. And this is very important too, because people have gone to these places and have been healed. And we've got to understand, what is this healing? Because some say the devil can't heal, and yet people that were sick were healed. So this causes confusion, and just that, just like the people that say, oh, I must be a spirit in the house, because look, that, that, that's moving, that book moved from there to there. Well, if you know the demons can do that, then that solves the problem. It's the same with the healing. If you know the teachings of the church, then you won't be mixed up or tempted. When we're sick or our family members are sick and we become hopeless and we say, oh, what's going to happen? The doctors can't help. The church can't help, supposedly. We should run to the magicians because I've heard that people can get healed. We need to, we need to examine that.
the woman with the wheelchair is to do with healing, and that's the next. Because I, I don't want to spoil the, the topic. Um, okay. Anything that one anyone wants to say? Yason. Anything? Nicholas. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of these uh, characters. Um, they're known as illusionists, uh, such as uh, David Copperfield, uh, Zyner, I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, there are some that actually believe that they do their illusions through the uh, influence of demons. That dynamo creature, for example, I'm very, I'm very intrigued because um, he... Um, I think people can't work out how he does things, and he looks possessed. Something's wrong with that man, and it's very scary. I've seen a few of those things, and uh, I think he's I think he's demonic. I think he's got some demonic powers because some of the things he does uh, are just um, too much. You know, it's not like um, where they're on a set like these other Dopper Copperfield person that you're saying they're on a special set and they've got all their little things around. So it's all they got they got control. This other person, he does it. I believe he's got some type of satanic powers. His eyes, his eyes don't. He doesn't look very well. And um, is that what you wanted to? Is that? Yeah, I think that. Look, they, are, they, are, we, we, we see that they can float. We know that they can do a lot of things. So whether it's a trick or not, I don't know. But to me, it's sometimes a bit, bit too much. Anything else? St. John of the Ladder says that dreams that give us hopelessness um, are, of, are of the devil. If, however, the dreams are to do with punishment, hell, and things like that, then there's, there's a chance that those obviously are, could be from God. I say could be. Um, because they're warning of it to change your life. In general... I, what happens is that people might see a true, maybe it's a true dream, and they see something about that, they change their lives, but because they dreamed it once, they get confidence and then they see other things. That's why the, the saints would always say, I don't want to see any dreams, I don't want to see any visions, I don't want to see any of that stuff because of the temptation. See, I don't want to see, I'm not a saint, but I just prefer, I go according to the saints' teachings. I don't want to see anything. Because if I do, then there's a chance that I can be tempted and then later on they play on me and then they bring other things and other things and then at the end you become like a... Yeah. Many people who saw true visions, true visions or true dreams, later on became deceived from pride. So that's why the saint said, I don't want to see anything. That's the safest. Anything else? Benjamin, nothing there? Everyone's hungry? Okay. All right, well, um, we've got, as I said, over here, we have akathists. Someone uh, bought them because of, um, for their um, father, Sol, who's not orthodox. So that's one way that she can help her um, father that is not orthodox. And this is, says, holy intercessor for family members who reposed outside the Orthodox faith, Akathis to Holy Mara Varus. And that can be also for 
people that are dear to you, friends, or anyone that you know you feel like you want to pray for them. I've, I haven't looked at them, but they're done by a good, a proper monastery, and um, that's good. So everyone will get one of them. You can take one. Yeah. And then we also have. If you run out, there's more over there, and also these two pamphlets. There's also, sorry, the Yoga Kliopa on the type of types of witchcraft. Those who are interested, it's over there. And these we got from overseas. Encountering Christ in his church. So this is a nice pamphlet, which you're free to take. And we have another nice one here, a timeline of church history, Orthodox Church, which talks about the church and how it split up the Roman Catholics and then from the Roman Catholics they went to millions of pieces over there and um, it's got the history there so that's another thing that you might be you're interested to take they're over there and that's uh, the next next Sunday God willing we have the unction at 6 p.m. Holy Unction and um, those of you who frequently confess and lead spiritual lives obviously can come those who have never confessed can't be anointed. And um, you can come, but you can't be anointed. And uh, that's at 6 o'clock. There'll be no talk, just a sermon on that day. 6 o'clock to around 8.39. And the program for the next, next year, God permitting, will be sent to you, because I haven't prepared it yet. Uh, it'll be sent to you, most of you have got emails now. And um, you can, and or on the website thing that they are kind of, yeah, and that's it. So um, stand up. Through the prayers of the Holy Fathers, Lord Jesus Christ, our God have mercy and save us. Amen.